Hey, what's up, people? This is episode 178 or 179 of the Option Podcast. I don't know. I don't really. Okay. It is what it is. That guy looks like Torrin Jeffries. We're going to find out in the minute the episode starts. Right now. It's so official, isn't it? What's up, Torin? Hi, uh, just, you know, another day in my life. <laughs> Always exciting. Always lots to do. Well, I think I want to talk about what you've been doing this morning because <laughs> I am so ingratiated in politics right now and just like, uh, um, I've become woke in a different way. <laughs> yeah. You know how some uh, woke has gotten, uh, um, I guess it was like this term where, um, it was original term where like black people are just saying, hey, be wary when white people are being nice to you. Yeah, right. Look, right. Out, look out for these these little tell signs that show that to see if they smile in your face and ready to put a knife in your back. And then woke yeah. turned into this. Yeah. Woke turned into um cancel culture. They become sisters. Right. Yeah. Right? Uh, um, where hijacked it again. Yeah. Where you need where you need to apologize. You need to be go to sensitivity training courses only in the end to just be fired anyway <laughs> you just <laughs> right because yeah. it, it is the culture that forgives it but does not forget yeah exactly <laughs> um so i become woke in a different way i just i listen to something and then someone else says something different and i'm like that doesn't sound right so you do, you start doing some research right and then you go on google and you're like okay the mainstream's right and then the person who's a minority is like no nah, it's, re- it's a report here so then you you keyword that and the report pops up and i'm like why didn't i show up on google the first time <laughs> are you trying to scrub shit from the internet but um i mean yeah probably yeah before <laughs> we talk about the other let's talk about volleyball who you, uh, were you training this morning yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, you know out and about in 16th this morning yeah was it uh, dolan uh, yeah, yeah, it was Gene. Gene. Always a good time. Love working with him. I like him a lot. So do I. He's been down in Brazil a lot lately. He's like gone every other month. And that's good for him. Because, um, good, let's talk about volleyball. Good. Oh, thank God is good. You, you, all you had to do was let me hit this up, you know, um, fall, <laughs> fall all the way off the cliff. Yeah. All right. So Gene has always been a good numbers coach and has always figured out things mathematically in his head that that people who think they're smart um realize it's like okay i'm not that smart wow that guy's that guy's he's smart smart (laughs) that guy's a genius right yeah no he's very did he just say every fifth shot was lying over mathematically what Uh, um honestly because of him uh, um i was coaching case beer and and, uh, against case beer and, and alan i was coaching jeff and whatever and I was talking to Gene a lot, man. And mathematically, we were tough, man. We were, we were tough that first game. You know, 12-9 tech timeout, lost 24-22. I mean, against a team that no one no one picked us to win anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So did Gene talk about his trip to Brazil or talk about anything you came back from? or? Um, not so much. Brazil is more, you know, he's doing some coaching down there. And mm-hmm. he's, I think he's getting ready. To, we were talking about doing uh, potentially like a training camp in like February down there. Um, and then just kind of, you know, he's retired. Yeah. Coaching is just kind of, you know, something he does for fun. Yeah. Um, so he's just been enjoying, you know, the good life of southern Brazil. You got a passport? So, 
I do, I do. Yeah, yeah no, you're, I've, you're I've just, heard nothing but good things. Go. Yeah, I'm going to jump on a plane. I might not come back. Uh, <laughs> lipstick stamps on your passport. <laughs> yeah, something, man. Something. No, I've heard nothing but great things about going down there. You know, I know a couple people have done the, the training trips and stuff. Not necessarily with Gene, but with, you know. Like Ben Vaught. Ben Vaught. I know he took a trip um, the, You know, I mean, kind of, I feel like everybody is due to do one at some point. Yeah. You know, go, go train in Brazil for like a month. Mm-hmm. I um, well, I've been one of the biggest critics of the American men's scene, and I know this comes in cycles. I acknowledge that you don't just start good and stay good, right? The, the '90s was a long freaking time ago, right? Um, where we could just gold medal anyone, <laughs> you know. Um, I've been critical of the coaching because when I see men's players on the tour. You see a professional men's game, an open level, that open mm-hmm. level type of men's game. And you see hot dog moves. You know, like someone's digging like this. Maybe they did what they had to do because they got caught. But why, right. but why are you getting caught like that, right? Someone's running to the net. The set's at the net. And, and instead of scoring up, they're running to the net and they're doing this to, to bring it back and create. But why, 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 why do you have to make that move? What's up, what's up with your first step? Was that pass shot like that? For me, 53, yeah, I got to do that. If you, you're a professional, you shouldn't. So um, I've been very, very critical of, because I want, I'm, this is shaping a question because you get to do the other thing. You get to talk about the positive part, <laughs> okay. about what, what you see um, that's, that's changing, that's making it different. So I'm, I'm, we're going to explore that in a minute. In fact, let's explore that now. Uh, enough haterade. What's one or two things you saw like on the men's scene that gives us hope for like Paris and stuff like that? Well, I think that there's a lot of younger talent, maybe even necessarily like in the up and coming years. You know, I mean, you obviously goes without saying like Miles, Martin, yeah, like the kids, something else. Um, and then other people around his age range and kind of in like, you know, their early 20s that are coming up through this high performance stuff that, you know, they're working out with like Leandro and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that there is a good solid future on the men's side. I do also feel though that because of how college beach works right now with women and that like you, you That's don't why we're have, not, we're not even talking about them, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like you don't you don't have the farm, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't have, you know, eight thousand girls who played graduating every year that you go you can pull from that like, you know, that deep vat to really, you know, make a top heavy um, like side on the men's, it's a little bit more. It's not as selective, but you're also you have a much smaller, you know, pool to grab people from. Right. Um, so I just think it's just going to be like a time thing, right? Like I think just in the U.S., we need another. I'd say probably five years Maybe, of like yeah. getting some of these. Uh, you know, younger, hungry individuals, the training, the reps, the coaching that they need to really, you know, step onto the world stage and do some damage. Yeah. Again, it doesn't happen overnight. It's something that we've talked about before, you know, off camera in terms of, you know, why are people getting together, forming a team, playing one and maybe two tournaments together? And like, ah, like, mm, we didn't do super great. Like, boom on to the next one 
like dude if my my life experience has taught me anything from what i've come up through with different sports or like basketball and stuff is that if you really want to build something special like you just got to stick with it right like just because you have a couple bad tournaments or you know like something doesn't go the way you expected to or wanted to is that really the reason that you know you should step away from it and look for something else because like how many teams have we seen you know from our men's side that you're like oh dude like on paper that should be a really good team or like oh that's a really good blend of like personalities and like styles like i think they'll be a good team they'll play like two avp opens maybe have a really two really terrible finishes and then they'll walk away like okay you're supposed to lose like that's part of it right mm -hmm. like you know just looking at you know outside of just volleyball alone like nothing you do in life you're just successful at the first time mostly not even the second time most of the time not even the third time right like it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of effort to get to where you want to be i do think that ego could potentially be something that plays into it right like i don't know a lot of the top players that well you know i know i'm in passing so i'm not going to speak to personality you know do they have a big head like i don't know any of those things right so i just think that it's just something that people could maybe be more cognizantly aware of is that hey like maybe we should stick together for half a season and see how it really goes right maybe we don't just only play avp opens i think that's the other one too that people get in a lot of trouble is you see our top players aren't playing a lot of tournaments in the states and granted like we don't have some what a lot of other countries have right like professional leagues for beach and like all that right but california specifically there's an open almost every weekend through the cbpa right and yeah they're like oh like we can go win those things no problem sure you can but if you're a new team those are a great place to go and literally just learn how to play together learn how to win together it's like there's so many you know variables you have to navigate when you're playing with another human is that that that's where you can learn how to deal that and then you then get that sense of okay can i go on a trip with this person and spend you know just a week in the same hotel room we're probably having dinner and stuff together like we're going to see a lot of each other right those cbvas or those day long tournaments to me are a great teaching tool to learn how to deal with one another right because you could play a you know team you think you should beat the snot out of right and lose and then have to play again against a much better team while you're still in your feelings and your thoughts and all that it's like hey you got to bounce right back like we play back to back and you know granted you don't play matches all that but teach you how to start a game like people just look at it and they just kind of like i feel like they almost scoff Mm -hmm. at like these tournaments you know and yeah. that'd be like me being like oh like i'm too good to go play an a it's like mm -hmm. no i need to go play an a right now like I, I need to learn how to you know win how to deal with people like all of those things do i believe that i have a higher skill set than it? yeah of course like i i truly believe that but you know on paper doesn't matter having one one you know what i mean right. yeah. so i'm not going to give myself any accolades that I haven't earned and I also want to like I tried for me personally I try to keep a very like clear sense of like okay this is where I think that I'm at this is where I'm actually maybe at on 
paper. How do I take myself on paper mm-hmm. to where I want to be? Right. And that's to me, that's what the CBA is for. What's well, right? Is is it's that's where yeah. you learn how to win this, you know, win sets, win matches. I think having you on the podcast is really cool because there's so many things that um, you are allowed to speak on that level because you are, in fact, um, as Travis Muir would put it, one of the gladiators in your arena who are experiencing victory and defeat, right? Um, I've been at this game as a coach and a commentator for a long time, former indoor player, never really a beach guy, right? And and I do see th- things, reality for what they are. And, and, um, and when someone says, oh, it's easy for you to say that sitting in your chair in your desk, <laughs> my answer is, that, yeah, it's very easy. In fact, I think it's I think it's really easy for me to say something like that here, sitting here. Um, so it's really cool to have that from two, two different perspectives. One, a guy who um, who knows how to win, who's, who, who, had, who had some success or whatever, to someone like you who's in there in the grind. You know, sometimes you have a bad day with Max State. Sometimes you have a good day with John Moran, right? I remember he took a fifth earlier on. I'm open um so glad glad to have you uh because you are just one of many players on so many levels who are are are, are saying who are things you're saying the same thing yeah you're saying the same thing this is truth this is this is true to truth to power i, I guess my answer to that or my my retort is you have to not have to but we have to consider the personality the player personality, right? Because um, only speaking for myself, if I play double B or A, I will play like an A player, right? If I'm in an open tournament, I'll play like an open dude. So so there are some people like my wife who plays one level all the way, right? If you, you want to play A, you're going to lose, you're going to lose 21, you're going to lose 21, 11, right? <laughs> you want to play A against me, right? Yep. Uh, um, uh, uh, because she plays that one level, right? And, and it's, it's weird that even at the high levels, uh, uh, playing down is a real thing. And that's, that's why I was such a Debbie Downer about like, when are you going to conquer the muscles between your ears? <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I think that's kind of it, right? Is that, that's what most people fall into is again kind of like i was saying like this is how you see yourself right like i see myself as you know like if i had to use like a scale right yeah oh i think i'm at like a six out of ten right now in terms of like volleyball capability oh you're talking about playing i was was talking about looks i'll give you a solid nine (laughs) point something like playing this is just 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 example right i think i'm at like a six out of ten right this man gets tips people (laughs) (laughs) sorry i think i'm at six out of ten and then okay like i'm playing a b tournament right all right i think all the teams that we're going to play against are probably at like a two maybe a three out of ten right Mm -hmm. we might run into a four maybe a five if, like we play someone's best game this is where you get your right. head at right mm-hmm. and then when the semis comes well but here's the thing sorry go ahead. why are you even thinking about any of that like why does those why does that thought ever enter your mind is like oh i know that i'm better than these people like you got to play the game right what? like if if you allow that door in your head to open of like oh i can like kind of take it easy right mm. like i know i'm better than them Mm-hmm. Like I can let up a little bit, you know. We can we can still just win, right? That's when you open that door for them who are just like, hey, these guys are pretty good. Like we're just gonna go play hard, and you know whatever happens happens, mm-hmm. right? It's all perspective, 
right? You have this perspective of you you just deserve to win because in your mind you think you're better, but you still have to play the game. Right. And I think that's the trap that like so many people fall into is, you know, they that ego starts talking to you, right? Like, ah, like it's going to be easy, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, don't listen to that. Don't mm-hmm. listen to that. Like, don't think. Like, just, do not allow yeah. any thoughts to come into your head, like especially those. Because mm-hmm. those will just worm your way in, and then you get frustrated, right? Like mm-hmm. they start, you know, it's neck and neck. It's you know, 10-11 th- side switch, or right. you know, side, like technical. You know, it's eighteen seventeen side switch. And you're like, dude, what is going on? Like, mm-hmm. we're so much better than these people. Like, why are they right in this game? And it's like you're just riding that emotional wave that you created before you even started the match because you just assumed. You 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 predetermined that you were going to win because in your mind you're better than. It's like, you know, yeah, it's so, it's a trap. So Everybody it, falls into it. It is a trap, and it's weird that the men have to deal with both of those. Uh, um, that, uh, well, tip three, we can go three problems. I I can name two off the top of my head, like. The women, the good thing about the women is that's the only thing they need to focus on because the physical from the neck down, like you said, when it became an NCAA sport and the club sizes have tripled back then, we knew, we called it. We knew there'd be this boom period, Mm -hmm. probably once every four years, you know, um, almost like UFC champs or something, you know, um, where there would be this not one, not two, but like 10, 10 pairs of girls that are just going to set the world on fire every four years. Like Hughes and Clay and Chang. Chang, Chang back yeah. then, Clay's. Back then, they were the leaders or the pioneers of that. Yeah, right out of uh, college. Um, just, yeah. yeah, but you consider Betsy played at that time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you consider Kelly Larson or Kalinske played mm-hmm. at that time. So they were part of a smaller boom period. And then this group from 2019 um, that were in their senior year in high school, to their senior year in college. This this four-year group of girls, Chrissy Jones and Muno, 43rd seed in the qualifier semifinals, Kraft and Maple, quarterfinals. They were 16 and 18 years old. The Norris twins qualified, you know, um, as high school seniors. Uh, um, there was just this conglomerate of just sick fucking women. In and fact, while, while we're talking, let's take a look at the rankings for the women. Right yeah, now. but you know what's kind of scary about Check that to me? All right, this is, check this out as we as we continue to dialogue. That's Duda and Patricia. But look how many American teams are in the world's top fifteen. Now they're gonna now now my my team, the team I'm a fan of, TKN. You know they're gonna try to get as many points as they can because they don't want some American team winning, <laughs> winning a yeah. bid, right? No, because you don't like yeah. two teams. So all right, so let's go down the line. Sorry, there goes Tina Gradina. God bless her. Her her godfather's my mentor, so there's a connection there. Aldis Lucy's God bless you. Big shout out. Cannon and Sponsor. Davenport's been doing some good things with them. Stockman and Kraft. Two two girls that can hook up with anybody and, and do well. And here they are with each other. So that's the top 15. Um, and you can go Flinton's goals who's got some catching up to do. But Betsy's, Betsy's one of them quiet chicks that could sneak up and take some. Like that's the kind of team that will win a bid, right? Yeah. An automatic bid. And then watch this. I'm scrolling back to the top. And then, and then one of these two teams got a problem. Yeah, <laughs> for the other spot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of crazy. I was just thinking, it was like, so we almost have five teams in the top twenty mm-hmm. for the women's side, right? I don't even think we've really had that like huge like college boom, right? Yet, 
like i think there's a much bigger wave mm-hmm. in like the next couple of years that you're gonna see of like because a lot of girls have now seen what you know like cloth and nuss have done like coming out of college yeah. what kelly and sarah have done coming out of college jesus again all you have to do is put that the belief in people's minds that it's possible yeah and let's you know like the guy who's like oh you, you can't run a mile in under four minutes and then everybody's running miles sub four minute miles I know, right? like, you know, well, like, i'm gonna do a facebook reset because i noticed the bit rate would chop so people watching us on facebook we're we're we're, del- we're chopping this off and we're creating a new file so for people watching live just just stay stay with me and and check out the next level but you're right uh, um let's just let's talk about one of those scenes let's talk about nuss and cloth right let's let's talk about Kristen's or you know belief in herself being this undersized player right let's talk about taryn cloth who at the time was a senior at creighton indoor made mm-hmm. the, made the elite eight for indoor right which is saying a lot i mean you're you're in the elite eight and creighton's there and no no west coast team was there except for maybe stanford at the time um yeah that that a belief does come into play two different well, girls one girl short in the beach game one girl's tall figuring it out goes to lsu go ahead Torin. Well, I mean, I've never had the opportunity to pick uh, Kristen's brain um, to kind of see how she, like, really approaches um, the game. But she strikes me as the kind of person who, one, she's, like, not really afraid of anything. No. Like, that's it. She does not live, she does not, you know, do things out of fear. She ain't got time for that. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, she wouldn't have the results she had if she did, right? Like... Um, two, I feel like she's a very humble person, yeah. like just kind. Just, you just want to freaking hold her and squeeze her. She's so lovable. Her humility, right? Let's talk about looks because I'm going to have fun with people. Uh, she, she looks high, okay? She, she's cute. But when you talk to her, she's hot. <laughs> she's got points, right? And then there's some girls who are hot and then they open their mouth <laughs> and they just lose points. Remember, remember me, you, Greg Faulkner? Yeah. We had this thing that we call points and I can't believe yeah. we're talking about it on a podcast. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I guess I, yeah, you know, no, it just feels I like do what I want. <laughs> but your brain in a blender. You're she's like, hot. Ah, I can't listen to you talk. She's hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think like just a combination, like, I mean, just those two things alone, mm-hmm. like, and, you know, she obviously has a work ethic because, you know, at that height, you have to, right? Yeah. You got to have a skill set that not a lot of people are going to take the time to develop. Talk about a girl who know already knows she has to run 150 meters for the 100-meter dash. Yep. Said, this isn't fair. This is a reality. What do I do? All right. Just got to run faster. Run the, run the 150. Just got to run faster. Yep. You know? I, 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 the thing I like about her is the way she's handling success. I met Kristen through Sean Ledig, who's listening right now. Sean was watching us right now. Um... And he's like, Jay, you're going to love these two girls, man. It's from New Orleans. They ain't no joke, you know? They ain't no joke. You should have them on the podcast, you know? And this was college, them. This was before they were they finished their last season 36-0. This was before they, they, they won New Orleans and won Wapaka and then won Atlantic City and won uh, uh, their first gold series from the qualifier. Notice. Mm-hmm. This is before they came to Australia with no points, qualifier, main draw one. This is before that. So years later three years later after that she comes on this podcast she's still Kristen it is adorable it is romantic to, to see someone like that that loves and respects the sport with this level of humility and, and this, the, I can't imagine the crap that she has to, put, to go through not went through still goes through 
Every time they lose, all the critics, they should break up. Taryn should get another partner. That girl's too short. She ha probably has to, has to find a way to drown that noise. And do you know, I'm going to let you talk, but you, lastly, do you know why I like her? I like her because she handled a lot better than me. Jason Olive told me, I'm the type of guy that if I fought to get, get a mansion, to get like a mansion, he says, you're the kind of guy when you get the mansion, you pick up a brick and you throw it through your own window because you're so pissed. It took you so long to get there. Congratulations, Jason. Shut up. <laughs> you know, so uh, she, 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 she's younger than me, but she, but she inspires me to accept realities make make these choices live with these choices and if i'm successful don't be such a hater <laughs> don't be such a hater yeah some, is there something you'd like to say about that <laughs> well it strikes me like a lot of very humble people right mm -hmm. they are very accepting of their circumstances mm -hmm. like they understand what's happening in their life mm -hmm. what they need to do and how to get there Right, no allegedly. Like again, you you never get there the way that you think you're going to. You just gotta. That's <laughs> so true. I, I think there's a, there's a really cool like Jim Quick uh, quote from Jim Carrey actually. Was it Jim Carrey? I think it was Jim Carrey. But he basically was saying that in terms of like the things that you want in life, it's not your job to figure out how it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. It's your job to open the door in your mind, and then work towards it. And it will make its way to you in some way, shape, or form, right? One way or another, right? Mm -hmm. You don't know how it's going to happen for you, but you just have to have that door open in your head, right? Just knowing that okay, this is what I want, this is my plan, because the plan is gonna get tossed out the window at some point. But just having some form of like guiding set of principles is like what you need to do to get where you want to go, and as long as you just keep working towards that. Like, that's it. I feel like that's probably was her mentality, right? It's just like, this is where I see myself. This is where I want to be. These are the things that I need to do to make that happen. I'm just going to continue to do these things to mm -hmm. the best of my ability. And then everything else is just a lesson along the way. I like that. Right? Like, that's it. That's, you Let's, know. Cool. Let's take that. Big up, Kristen, because that's, that's a great way to talk about her and and what i'm a fan me me i'm a fan i'm an actual fan uh, i'm not not a volleyball purist not a freaking hater i'm a fan of both of them her and her and Taryn. watching her um, play is kind of almost like watching steph curry like every time she hits the ball you're like all right yeah. like what shot she's hitting next like you're like kind of on the edge of your seat like ooh, like what's she gonna do yes next? you know what i mean like when she gets a dig yeah. especially on transition when yeah. she gets a dig you're at the edge of your seat. You're like, like oh, what's... she's going to do something cool right now. Yes. Like, yeah, that's how you always feel. And when she does it, the crowd goes, oh. She reminds me of and Bruno. Claps. Oh, cla oh, yeah. She reminds me of Bruno. Hell yeah. They that's very, a great comparison. Very similar game. Gold, Olympic gold medalist. Gracious, graciously listed at six feet tall. Yeah, graciously. Six, six, six more. <laughs> Looks like a soccer dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? I've always said it as he's the best yeah. volleyball player I've ever seen, but he literally, like, if. If I didn't know who he was, mm -hmm. and I saw him at like the grocery store, I'd just be like, "Oh, hey, like, yeah. you know, soccer dad." I just love the way for a guy like me who uh, it's crazy because as a former player, I like to whoop it up with the crowd, and I like to you know have fun with the other people crossing it. Nothing too disrespectful, Pe you know. I know someone; they know me. He's a pecking order, boom. Um, but 
it's weird that I become a fan of the people who accept victory, victory with the same level of humility as defeat, right? Like my favorite three girls are Chrissy Jones. Um, we were talking about her on the podcast last time because she played for Todd. She played indoor at Washington, but played one, okay. one year at beach for uh, beach volleyball right. for Todd. Pair, pair one, which is a testament to how good she is, right? Indoor player, you know, I'm a pair one. You're an Avenger. What? You know, in fact, you're WCC champs. Uh, um, so it's her and TKN. Those are my three. And what do they all have in common? They, they, there's no, there's no hot dogging on skill set. There's no uh, cutting corners on their training because it shows up in bigger games. Are you disciplined when it's a bigger game? What is it? Are you disciplined when it's the block is bigger? Bigger? Are you disciplined when the serve to space is faster? Are you disciplined when someone's hitting hitting a little bit harder? Do you readjust your matrix, or do you do you fall back to something that you're comfortable with? And this proper technique, because I'm, I'm all of this is segue. This is, this is my genius. This is segue to, to pose a question to you. Um, one of the things I thought that got really better with you, because you came in, you were figuring stuff out, and then you you're putting all this work right, and you when you're not winning games, you feel like well, you know I got some volleyballs for sale. I don't want to do this shit anymore, right? So <laughs> I got a gorilla for sale, right? Twenty uh, but, t-shirts later, but then. I want you to, I'm asking and I'm taking a long time to shape this question because it's important for other people who are playing at the level below you and, and, and the level, the level above you, they can all learn something from Torin Jeffries today. What changed from 2018 to 2021, 2022 that made you this, this guy that's just the skill sets better. You're, um, you're, um, these these funks you get into are only now two points instead of five points. Um, you, you, it's it's a, what what was it? Selective amnesia? What was it? Or just a good shrink? Was it a good no. girlfriend named Cass? <laughs> um, so a lot actually kind of has to do with a lot of the stuff that I talked about on Wendy's podcast. Yes, um, the other day, um, I started learning a lot of like very old. I guess we could call them like hidden secrets or whatever of like reality the universe like what who what we act who and what whom and what we actually are as human beings mm -hmm. um yeah i've gone really deep down that rabbit hole and the stuff that i've learned that i've been able to apply to my everyday life has given me clarity peace i'm happier than i've ever been you know like uh negative life events like sure i still i still have you know my bad days like i'm human you know emotions are very real very powerful thing but you also if you under if you understand certain things um about how your emotions work mm -hmm. and how what you can do to transmute that emotional energy into something positive what if it's something negative um it really just goes a long way and then that and then for about the last eh, almost almost a year now like eight months i've been meditating for at least 20 minutes a day like it's like a non-negotiable every single day wow like, you found time you're like sit. i'm making time for this yeah that to me that's that's the big one has been you know just sometimes with music sometimes just in a dark room by myself like no sound like some sensory deprivation sometimes like Learning to just being able to sit, 
by myself with nothing but my thoughts and then being able to control that thought stream or sometimes you don't even try to control it just let whatever comes into your head you know experience it allow it to happen, it to happen but like don't identify with it mm -hmm. right it's uh i recently i did um like yoga teacher training in the last we finished it back at the end of march right and part of what they talk about in the yoga sutras it kind of translates to like the death of the ego right and i think this has a lot to do with sports and kind of what we we're talking about earlier is the ego is that i amness right like i am a volleyball player i am this like i am that but there's a really famous quote by um or from one of alan watts lectures where he was talking about like that i amness but in terms of like taoism because that was kind of his thing but he asked the guy that's interviewing he says you know if I ask you this question, like, who are you? Right? Like, who are you? Like, who are you? And you say, like, oh, I'm, I'm Jason. It's like, yeah, but that's not who you really are. Like, that's your name. But that's not who you are. No one can really answer that question. Hmm. Right? No one can really say, you know, who they actually are. Because we don't really know. Right? Well, like, do you think it's because we're many things? Oh, it's definitely because we're many things. But I think that the, the, the key of what I'm starting to get at is the ego this is where the ego kicks in right the ego is what causes you to identify with stuff right like i am this i am that like whether it be positive or negative right like oh like i'm a good father i'm a parent i'm a volleyball player i'm this i'm that and it, it can work either direction right but learning to let go of those identifications right like the, the death of your ego right is okay like you have the things that you like to do and that you identify with but you are not those things. They are just activities, right? That bring you joy. And that's it. Like we're here to experience joy and love and happiness. Like that's a huge part of the human experience, right? It doesn't hurt. It definitely does not hurt. So learning to experience those things and it's kind of like the thoughts, right? Like, you know, allowing the thoughts to come in, experience the emotions that come attached to them, but then letting it all go. Mm -hmm. Same idea. Right. I go to a volleyball tournament now. I have the whole tournament experience, you know, whether it be positive or negative. Then I walk away. That experience is over. I'm on to the next one. Now I have film and everything. You know, like I can learn from that experience. That's what it's there for, right? Like I now have that vat of knowledge from that day that I can pull upon to apply to like the next one or like the next practice, whatever it may be. But that tournament is no longer, I'm not going to identify with that, right? Like, like I used to. Like, I'd come back away from a tournament and be yeah. like, oh, dude, I freaking suck. Like, I'm the worst player ever. Like, and everybody gets into that mind, mind space, right? Like, which we're, wow. it's part of being human. So if you can learn to break free of that and not identify that I am-ness with whatever results that you just have, you know, like, only one, only one team wins, right? Like, everybody goes home a loser besides one team. Right. One team. So that's, and I think that is what we were getting at too when we were talking about Kristen, right? right? Is that she doesn't identify with, you know, all the the noise that she probably that probably comes her way, you know, when they have a bad tournament. Which like, I'm oh. sure she gets even when she wins. No, hundred percent. Yeah. But she doesn't identify with that. She doesn't even identify with the good. Right. The bad, the good, the bad. Like it's it's all irrelevant. Right? Like it's all just information that you can use for a better experience the next time. Yeah.
that's it. When you see someone like that, and, and, and in this respect, I put you and her in that same category because you don't identify with that. Um, you really think about what the hell is my situation that I feel like this all the time and she doesn't. Right. Like, for example, she's on the podcast and it's crazy how she comes up again, but but it is what it is. Right. I told her the thing I like about her is she's the same Kristen, like with her fans, that little small group of fans that that started this small in college or whatever. Then New Orleans had her back. Right. New Orleans, the whole state and then everybody else. And eventually California got on board. And and I said, you're really, really loyal to your people. You know, and I really, really like that. And she said, I don't really know how I can be anything anywhere else. And I said, I just want to hold her. And I said, how effed up is my life that 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 woman, that that kind of mentality is rare? What is what have I done in my life that, that put me in this messed up position <laughs> where I'm always, you know, like if someone um talks about someone else's podcast and maybe not mine or whatever that makes me feel like i have to make it about i am where your ego identity explodes where you eat you you're, you're eating yourself no one else to eat no one else to eat nobody else. you ever seen another uh, hurricane hmm. when he was dealing with multiple personality one guy was like oh i'm scared no one was like, he's like shut the f up like you shut the f up you know but the, the angry one was like ain't nobody here to kill except you you know just no you know but that that's I go through that. What's the point in all this, right? Maybe um, bear with me. Um, but I go through that all the time. I go through that every time I sit still. I go through that. I think about what has gone, what has happened, what is happening now, and where do I want to go? And I become depressed because I allow myself to um, maybe even invent things in my head that people are not thinking about me. Maybe they are, but the, uh, the, you know the crazy thing is whether they are or they aren't. What's the point? Does that it doesn't matter if they are or they aren't? It, it, no, because the net result is I'm feeling it. Right, and but here's you know? the interesting thing, right? Like yeah, go ahead. Is <clears throat> that where your attention goes, energy flows, right? So whatever you're thinking about <laughs> in that given time frame, right? When you sit alone, like, and then there's no that could even to you be like a form of meditation, it's a problem, right? Dude. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like, a problem you, every time I, I sit still. Right. And see, that's part of it, right, is that learning to deal with those feelings is part of, is like the first like step to like a healing process, right? It's like there's, we all have trauma, right? Like we've all gone through X, Y, and Z. It's all relative. Like no person's trauma is greater than another's. It's all one right like it's all relevant we all experience it it's all real and i think that was the best thing i learned from this woman in long beach who had one of the most like i was in tears like just listening to her tell her story you know like how she was like you know in this like crazy abusive rape or like a relationship where she was like basically raped a lot and just these like 15 years of just absolute just you know just horror just yeah terrifying like i don't know how you know like she didn't like, kill herself like that was one of my questions like how are you still here how'd you, you know? yeah. how'd you get through it but she told me after she told me everything because i asked i was like wow like what i said i think one of the comments i said was like wow like after hearing your story it really makes you think like you know like 
everything that I've gone through doesn't even seem to come close to anything like that. And she stopped me. She's like, no. She's like, that's BS. And here's why. Everything that you've gone through and everything that you've experienced is totally relevant to your experience. Right? My experience has nothing to do with yours. Sometimes they just intertwine. Right. Right? Like we have co-experiences together. Makes sense. Yeah. So it's all relative. And with some of the principles that I've learned, right, is that nothing is, like, while things may appear separate, like, nothing's separate. So we all have to learn how to deal with our pasts, right? And and I think you kind of see it in society right now. Like, everyone's just so, like, like tunnel vision of, like, I got to get this done by, you know, like four o'clock today, then I get the kids food, you know, and then I got to wake up at four and go to the gym. And it's all this like, go, 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 go. Everyone's, you know, no one's taking the time to like press the pause button and be like, what piece of me could I heal today? You know, what, what 0.2% or whatever could I make better in my life today? And I think, you know, that was something that I started to get in the last couple of years is that I needed to take a little bit of time every single day to do something for me to make myself a better version of myself, whether that be sit and meditate for, you know, 20, 30 minutes, uh, maybe do a little bit extra at work or like go out of my way for like a guest or something to like, you know, really make sure they have a cool experience. And then you start doing these things like me. <laughs> yeah. No, and then you start like doing these things and then you like see how good that it makes other people feel but then vice versa it makes you feel really good and yeah sure it could be like uh, i mean am i doing it selfishly absolutely like i want to mm. feel good too but i'm not harming anyone like and i'm bringing joy to another person's life whether it be my own or somebody else right mm. and i think to me that was the big the really big change was making sure that I found a little bit of time to work on myself every single day. Meditation will change your life. And again, like that's the hard one because it's uncomfortable. Your mind fights you, your body fights you. Like okay. it's, it's nuts. But once you start to get under control, it's like, oh, like you kind of start to realize you're like, I kind of create everything for myself, right? Like I'm in charge of my own reality in a sense. Does... um. Does that provide an obstacle for your competitive edge, the, the level of self-contentment? Or is does the competitive edge just come from the training and and that kind of takes care of itself? No, I, commiserate, I just, commiserate with your preparation. I like to compete because it's fun. There you go. Like, I, that's it. Like, I just truly enjoy playing and competing. Just, you know, I, my, my goal for volleyball is just to see how far I can take it. You know, I don't have... There's no five-year plan. I'm not be like, oh, I'm gonna do it till I'm 35, and if I don't make it, I'll hang it up. Like, ah, I'm just gonna keep doing it because mm -hmm. it's fun. I don't want to stop. I um, I can only say this. It's very, very fun following a little bit of your journey when you finally had an opportunity to play with people as good as you or better than you, right? Um, I I always tell myself, I wonder how Torn would do when he started playing tournaments with that and. It's fun to watch, dude. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool ride. You know, you and Moran. Moran's like, he's one of those guys that's just a, a, a competitor. He's not a competitor. He's not someone that was training every day, 
goes out there and you guys take a, like a fifth for open, right? You and Max were small balling, just, just having a good time. You know, I remember Huntington, you ran into that brick wall named Amato, but, <laughs> but let me tell you something. Everybody did. If you watch the game after that. Yeah. It was like a repeat. Yeah. It was, like, it was against Schaefer or whatever. And, and, um, Ian Carlson, it was, yeah. Yeah. Guy, he had a day. He had like 13 blocks that, yeah. that match. Yeah, he had a know? day, which is weird because it, you know the, yeah. the wrong draw that morning. He and he had the Captain Caveman look. Yeah, he, Cap- yeah hey. guys, when people listening, Captain Caveman, the Caveman mentality is kind of like you look for, like if you're looking for a relationship, you don't take her to dinner. You grab like one of those old school clubs, you hit her on the head, you drag her by the hair back to your place. <laughs> that's <laughs> a, that's that that's he was in caveman mode. This is this you know uh, this is um not a sexist thing. It's just uh Captain Caveman satirical thing. Yeah. Unga, unga bunga need food. Yeah, that was that was him that day. Just pure first chakra and and third chakra and, and you know ego exploded ego exploded mm-hmm. um groundedness what security very secure and comfortable in the skin good tournament fam my motto i don't know what the hell i even plug in for but, uh, he's a club coach too so i guess i gotta respect that too so we talked about the other th- this part give me out of the six fundamentals passing setting hitting digging blocking serving uh, what's fun to, the last 12 months uh, we're in June now right so from June last year to June this year what was one fundamental you thought you showed significant improvement in? serving I started to it's king take, yeah it's I king. started to just make sure at least once or twice a week I work on my serve like mm-hmm. that's made all the difference in the world mm-hmm. it's just like oh wait you can control a game just by serving the ball who yeah. knew what a weird concept yeah (laughs) no definitely serving and then well it's not really a fundamental but more of like practicing awareness while you're on the court Mm -hmm. right of like okay what's actually transpiring on the other side of the net Mm -hmm. of like okay i've served this side and like this is without having a coach or like like you have to do this on the fly Right. And I think this is what Miles kind of does on his own. Yeah. It's giving them like, FIVB success, right? Yeah. No I've coach. served this guy's sideline and made a move to his right three times now. Two out of those three times, he's hit cross. The only time he went high line was a more inside set. Like mm-hmm. noticing those little nuances, like can you pick up weird tendencies that like like we were trying to talk about with gene is like every fifth ball is a high line right. like can you figure that stuff out on the fly so I've, I've been trying to be more aware of what the other team's doing like their tendencies and honestly it's kind of helped m- me stay out of my own head about myself because i'm just worried about what i need to take care of right and just trying to figure out that so i would say serving but within combination of that like okay serving but more of serving with a purpose not just like okay I need to just hit a tough serve. I'm going to go for the sideline. It's like, no, I'm going for the sideline, but because this is what I've noticed based on what's happening, you know, throughout the set or whatever. Yeah, and that's weird because that's the way coaches think. Well, that's exactly how coaches think. And, oh, it's 100%. And, but yeah. it's um, it's interesting because um, this is with something I talk about with Dan all the time, Dubrov, is that you can go into a game with a game plan, and, you know, of course, part of our 
conversation like cycling back right this idea of a plan and you're just gonna get tossed out yeah it's like okay i'm playing alison right right everyone in the world knows that dude is going to bomb the ball cross right maybe hit the occasional high line just keep you honest give him the line he's gonna tank one down the line right right you know he's gonna beat the living piss out of the ball it's happening that's what he does hulk, what he hulk does. smash maybe you play him on a weird day and like he's got something funky with his arm and he just starts randomly hitting like crisp shots or yeah. like he hits like a couple and he's like oh like i got a cut shot today like yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> like weird stuff like that happens cut all cut the over time the switch oh, exactly yeah. exactly that guy's going all the way to you got to figure out either you know change your service target or mm -hmm. figure out a new plan on the fly because mm -hmm. the defense the game plan you had to play against that version of him on that day is not going to work right like you got to change something and it's like to me, in this, you know, you know, you, people can think about this however they want, but to me, the idea of game planning, specifically in beach volleyball, is like way too subjective, right? Like you, mm -hmm. should, you have no problem with having like an idea of like, okay, like these are some of this team's tendencies. I think we should maybe start on this person because of this, but. You could play that person and they're having a day. It's you true. know, like yeah. there's there's no um Well it's so out of your control, but in your control if you're aware of what's happening on the fly. Right. Because there were so many layers to everything you just said. But right. I'd and like again, you to there, there's like levels to it, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're in college, you have a coach who's there, who's mm -hmm. statting, right? You get the walk and talk on your side switches, like you're getting some of that information, right? right? Mm-hmm. AVP, same kind of deal. You can have a coach in the box. Um, freelance tournaments like CBBAs, yeah, you have the option. You can have a coach if you want. Most, I rarely do I ever see a team at a CBBA with a coach. Um, I'm actually looking up something for to show yeah. the audience, but go ahead, keep going. Um, and then FIVB, like you don't get a coach. They're in the audience somewhere, you know, and like you know, get in trouble if they're throwing some hand signals or stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like, So you got to figure out for yourself. And I think that it makes beach volleyball such a cool sport because it's so paralleled to like life of having to figure out things on the fly. Mm. You have a plan. It doesn't work. What do you do? Yeah. Like there's just so many nuances that you can translate to so, your everyday existence. I think that's so really cool. You were talking so many levels. So I'd like to just start with the most recent one. Sure. Like we're going to go present to past on, on this one because you were also talking about, um, God, it all happened so fast I forgot. So let's talk about the 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 not the former, the the latter. So I want to put up something. This was Manhattan Beach last year, right? This is a pull chart on Jeremy McCase Bear, and I showed you this already, but this is this is cool for the audience to see. So let's do that. And let's zoom in. Can I zoom in or not? Come on. Alright, there it is. So I guess I'll just show it like that. So this is a pull chart, right? Jeremy Casebeer. No, this is the very top. There it is. So this was what we were talking about mathematically. Cross, cross, cross line. So for the people watching, the straight lines are hard driven, and like the curvy lines are like roll shots at like off speeds. And um, so this is his serve receive chart. And this is his transition chart. He likes to dig and then create a string out of the middle. Um, you know, he, he, but he pretty much digs, hits wherever he digs. 
So this was just um, first set. Let's call it pre and post technical timeout, right? Yeah. Now what you're talking about is understanding these tendencies, but also at the the level, the open level. Well, this is what Billy Allen's look like. So we're not. <laughs> no, that's 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 insane. So so yeah. So we then we we made the choice a little pretty. Yeah, it's all over the place. So can't do that. So, um. So. What you're talking about is at that, that level, adjustments are going to happen by the technical timeout, maybe even before it. Like, we, we led 12-9 at the technical timeout. John Mayer's their coach. You know, this is a student versus the teacher thing because John was one of my, my beach mentors because, you know, I came in late in the house. And, and I'm like, okay, I can show you how to win this first set. But like you, like you just said, beyond that, when they start making adjustments, I, I got to figure it out too, right? Because to quote Mike Tyson, um... Everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. Yep. That's it. That's it. Everyone plans to get punched in the face. I, I can't even remember the other layer, and we can, re, we can revisit that later. And this video is chopping again. So, Facebook people, bye. <laughs> Goodbye again. And, and hello. hello hello in a minute. <laughs> so, yeah, you were talking, we were talking about serve. Serve is king. Serve is king at every single level. You could be a nine-year-old serving 25 points in a row because the other team can't pass. You could be on the Russian national team playing for the gold, right? They're the best serving team in the world, right? Um, and I remind everybody, France won the gold because that fifth set, zero reception errors. So against the best serving team in the world. Yeah, and, that'll get it done. <laughs> oh, that's what I want to talk about. And I wanted you to, to take the wheel for me. There are many coaches that say, take care of your side of the net, right? Um, and for me, on the on-court thing, I'm like, oh, okay, good for you. That only allows you to beat the teams you're better than and lose to the teams that are better than you, right? So, and, and when John Mayer was telling me about that, he was, you know, I was just being a moron. He was talking about other things. Like, no one can, no one cannot make you do extra reps in a weight room. No one cannot make you train in the sand dunes or you know cross cross manipulate training no one can make you um not start in the right spot right taking that that's what he meant about taking care of your side of the net but i like what you're talking about because you you're talking about on the fly reading progressions you're talking about um patterns that you that you see on a normal day and that pattern changes so that's that has that's a little bit more than just taking care of your side of the net so I thought that was a very, very brilliant point. And that was the point I was trying to make from that grounded foundational level that a lot of people didn't get because cause I didn't get what they were talking about. You know, there was there was there was crossfire. There was right. Cro yeah, yeah. It's like you have your like you said, your foundation. Mm -hmm. Right. Like these are our, you know, key principles that we operate together mm -hmm. that, you know, we use as a team. And like, you know, they're just guidelines, though. Right, because sometimes you gotta throw one of them out the window. Yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm putting it back up. Facebook love. I got it. Um, yeah. No, I don't know. That was it. That, yeah. I mean, that's it. And I think that's, I think it's rather genius. And I think that's, you know, we're we're for the men. We're we're still staying glass half full. I think that's where Miles Partain, um, has figured out at a very early age. Right, like if you look at some of the some of the things he was doing at age fifteen when he made the first main draw um, against my guy Jeff Samuels and Michael Brunstein, right? But he beat his coach to get in, like the third round. He beat Mike Playcheck 
and Matt Motter. Yeah, that's a that's a gnarly team to beat, right? That's so funny too. I yeah. forgot about that. He'd be yeah. just coach. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't even the play in. That's how he but that's 15. how but that's how deep his bracket was. Yeah. That wasn't oh, even the play in. That was the that third one. round. No, I, and I and I don't remember who he had to beat, but I the, I do remember him beating all of his qualifier teams in straight sets. I do remember some of the older guys saying, "I can't believe I'm losing to a guy, a kid half my age," which is what you were talking about. You get you're getting caught that's up. Ego. You're getting caught up in the other. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead and say yeah. it. That's the uh, one. Say like instead of getting <laughs> caught up in that, just mm-hmm. acknowledge like mm-hmm. this kid's a phenom. Yeah. Like he's really good. Mm-hmm. He's doing the things already that we're not doing. Like why? Like I can't believe. Flip the perspective on it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Age doesn't matter. No. If that's anything that can be proven, the only thing that may matter and might be something like football, but just because. Right. You know, puberty. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but there maybe or there are very few 15 year olds that have like the physical bodies that could go and play in like the NFL. No, right? like that's just no. there's the dime a dozen that do exist. But and for the people listening, guys, he did it with his brother, no less, who was 17 at the time. Right. But again, this is why this is such a cool sport because it's very parallel to like life. Like, right. if you do the right things, mm-hmm. like good things will happen for yeah. you. Like they, him and his brother, they did all the right stuff. Like they never seemed phased when mm-hmm. things didn't go their way. Right. They kept their cool. Like they, they played much older. Right. If you will, like you would never have guessed until you like, if you just looked at the scores, like who they were until you saw like a picture, like, dude, that's like a child. Having the right people help too. Like oh, Jeff Alzina was, was sitting under that. Under oh that yeah. Umbrella. No, but again, like um, just, he's, he's, he's one of the best beast coaches out there in my opinion. Oh, for sure. He's, but he's, to be that emotionally stable mentally calm Mm -hmm. at that age yeah that is incredible i mean dude i remember when i was 16 are you kidding me man i was Mm -hmm. losing my mind like i got like hormones Mm -hmm. i'm like uh like girls but but the same but the same but the same colds approach right yeah look you're 15 years old you're playing jeff samuels and michael brunson in the draw everyone's cheering for you he didn't hear that he didn't hear cheers. He didn't hear people booing Jeff. Like you got full-grown adults that hear what a heckler or a fan saying saying to you positively that energizes you or negligent right. you. Like, like, the the kid people was a, the, the kid was a machine. Yeah. Now I wanted to hold on to this to the whole not cutting corners thing because for some reason I can't let that go. But I want to put that off for more, like sixty more seconds. This is what I said when he was in the main draw. Um, and we won that match, Jeff and, um, and Brunstein, and they got their revenge match. Um, they beat um, Doc Vandermeer and Jeff in um, New York, um, three sets. So, But the, here's the point I was trying to make back then. This is 2019. This is, this is when both of us were making really big changes in our beach life. I said, are there people that are taller than Miles Partain? The answer is yes. Are there people that hit harder than him? The answer is yes. Are there people that are more athletic than him? Hell yeah. He's a gangly little kid, right? You know, he's volleyball. He has to stay with that because any other sport, he's going to get housed, like you said. Um, Are there people who move faster than Miles Partain? The answer is yes. But yet, there he is, and there you are. Why? Do you know know what I'm saying? Do you have Mm -hmm. So I've, I've... that he's to me i'm the and this goes back to what i'm saying with the men scene he should have been their reality check 
six freaking years ago. He should have been the, the reality check for men's volleyball on the beach scene six years ago. What are you guys doing? Yeah, you know, I, I go to training outside and I watch Jose Leola with the U.S. team and I'm cool with all of them. But I see one of the two of them side-eyeing me because they're, they're like, I'm listening to what you're saying to us on the podcast. And I'm like, why aren't you asking yourself why? Why are you, why are you cutting corners? Why are you cutting corners? Why? Jeff Samuels, who I, I coached a, a little bit because I, I was only coaching one guy. Sorry, Rafi, but you, you know, you were dense. Uh, um... I sent Jeff a tape after that match, Qatar. I said, this is the finals match. This is a Mullen Sorum against uh, um, Ahmed and, and Sharif. Sharif. And I said, I want you to watch Ahmed and Sharif. I want you to watch how they pass, where their first step is when they set, where their shoulders are squaring when they're setting. And this includes jump set deception. I want you to watch them. And I, and I joked around, not because you're both, all three of you are black. <laughs> But because, Jeff, you are doing things that Ahmed is doing. You are doing things that Sharif is doing. You know, and, and uh, honestly, uh, with all due respect to all of Jeff's partners, I want him to, put, to have a tour stop with a partner that's better than him for a change or as good as him. Brunsting was the best one. You know, he played one with Ricardo in Florida. Do you know what happened? <laughs> they won every single set. Not even close. All right. Yeah, so, so um, I sent him this thing because... Ahmed is the type of guy that would rather make two moves to square his shoulders to the pole or square his shoulders to the net instead of running to the net and doing this or running to the net to jump set to fool the block and doing this, this side set thing. Ahmed knows he doesn't have to do that. Ahmed is a right-handed hitter. He can, he can jump this way and still drop his left and hit his right, which is what Miles is doing real well. Miles does a, has a little bit of that side thing, but you notice when Miles jump sets, he's left-handed, he's this, and indoor at UCLA, same thing, drops his right, hits his left, or fakes his right and does this. And my beef with the men scene right now Oh, we don't have first-class athletes. We only have seventh-class athletes, second-class athletes. I remember Todd Rogers saying that. I disagree. I disagree. We we have the athletes that are just good enough if they don't cut corners in their training. I've been doing this for a long time, and I know. You know because when the game's tight, you have to fall back on on a technique that works for you. And you've seen it on the beach. Someone falls back to something they're comfortable with but doesn't work. And you've seen it on the club scene. Someone just hitting middle of the court as hard as they can, begging a referee touch, 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 touch. It's not out. It's a, you know um, the, these little comfort zones. And to me, the the what the women figured out physically, the comfort zone is in your training, your proper training, which I blame the players a little bit, but I blame the coach. I blame, uh, dude. I'm I'm not gonna make any friends after this podcast. But you can't tell me you're you're coaching that team. And they're in games, and they're and they're doing these things, and they're flashy, right? It's really cool to watch someone jump and then side set, and then there's nobody up. But it only works when there's nobody up. What happens when the block's not full? Now, trajectory wise, you're setting that person into the block, and your margin for error is behind his head or sail over tight, where he has to joust. Now, it's fun. Don't get me wrong, and it's and it's flashy. But I I will tell you what's more fun and flashy and more beautiful than that: doing it right. I agree with that. The game is more beautiful when you do it right. 100%. Uh, like I said, you know, 
parallels of life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, <laughs> you're I, like, what do I say that doesn't get me in trouble with Jason? <laughs> no, 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 I don't care about that. Like, that is what it is. My, yeah. my brain's just kind of like, okay, so I guess the question that I would pose to a lot of players, right? Like I do, I actually really like that point that you said that Miles, like that he should have been the measuring stick for Ben's volleyball like six years ago. I totally agree with that. A but, mile away, 15 years old. Yeah, and he, he's already, you know, light years ahead of where a lot of people think they are. They didn't, they didn't get right. the message. So my question is, is like, okay, and I guess, again, you know, this idea of like self-work, right? Like not just, you know, training, but like, are you taking time to be self-reflective like during your trainings right like outside of oh like i need to put my right foot a little bit more forward when i when i set like besides those like little nitpicky you know like skill set things right because the the hard work Mm -hmm. is evaluating okay what's my emotional state like like there's there's a really book um good book called uh, mind gym Mm-hmm. Um, it's a sports psychology book that I read like once a year and the very I think earliest part in it talks about you know like everyone has like an arousal level like a scale of like 1 to 10 mm-hmm. right of like where they need to be like 10 being like ah, and 1 being like totally just whatever right for me I need to be at like a 3 like just very like like, don't say a lot. Like, you know, I'm not really one to, like, whoop it up, you know. But when I'm at, like, that, that's where I'm at my most focused. You know, my mind's clear. You know, my body feels good. I don't have a lot of, like, there's no extra chatter upstairs. As soon as I get higher than that, yeah, that's when all the, like, like you know, the, like, weird negative right. thoughts can start to come in. You know, like, oh, God, like, there's another shake. Like, yeah. but. It's because something, like a you know, brought that up in me. I get I got too aroused, right? And like, you know, there there was uh, I think one of the examples was this hockey player that this guy used to work with, and he had just come out of college, like playing in the pros. You know, he was like everyone was like real real hyped on him, and he was you know overpassing, like overskating the puck, and he starts working with this guy, and he's like, you know, this guy's like, hey man, like. When, when, like, what on this scale, like, when, when do you play your best? And he's like, oh, I'm usually at like a four or a five. And he's like, okay, like, when you're getting out on the ice, like, where are you at? And it turns out he was redlining. He was at like a nine right. when he was getting out there and didn't even realize it. When he really sat down to think about it, he was like, oh, like, yeah, I'm like way too jazzed to like be out there. You know, I'm like, I gotta go, like that kind of deal. It's like. And hockey's that sport though. Exactly. It's, but it's like lightning in a bottle for three periods, but God, sorry. Yeah, but again, like not everyone needs to be at, you know, a 10 emotionally and mentally to have the physical be at that. Right. Do you right? find yourself um, sometimes going below a three to make sure you're at three? Um, sometimes. Sometimes yeah, but you're just like, I, okay, I'm, I'm calm, but I got to get up, uh, dude. I got to yeah, get like going I, here. I know when I'm a little too lax. <laughs> right. Like, I know okay. that sweet spot. That gets mm-hmm. to that kind of conversation about, you know, everybody's heard that term flow state, mm-hmm. right? That state, it's like everything's just firing. It's just effortless. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's as it should be for you when you get into that, that space, right? 
So not only is that like a performance thing in sports, but that's a performance thing in, you know, the real world business, your life. Right. Like, so how can you get into that state is the question. And again, this is where the, the, the real, like I'm not talking about, you know, just evaluating, you know, the angle of your platform no, and we're your talking, arms. We're talking mechanics. about something that goes beyond like, that. Yeah. We're, we're talking about, you know, your mind, right? How can you get yourself into that state, that perfect zone that you need to be in to perform your best? And that's hard because a lot of people just, just have this like um, like this predisposition that sports are just physical. Not just physical, they know that there's a mental component, but the physical usually supersedes the mental because you're like, okay, I have to make sure I have all the skills. I have to make sure I you know how to know how to do everything, except and the very highest level. Exactly. Right? But see, that's what I was going through the first like four years that I played. Mm-hmm. That's kind of that. Then this this switch happened is that the physical is no longer the main focus. I feel like it's not even that I feel like a lot of. The, most of the skills now are just more muscle memory for me now, right? Like, right. But I've put in enough hours and time that it's gotten to that. And like, that's what I needed to do, you mm-hmm. know, based on my background. Like, I had no volleyball experience before I moved to California yeah. besides, like, gym class, right? And, like, that's a whole other, you know, that doesn't count. Um, so, again, like, that that's the hard thing. And I, I just think that, you know, it's it's not an easy thing to look yourself in the mirror and be like, this is where you really need work because you can go and you can do all the drills. You can go put in, you know, your 10,000 hours, right? But if you're not, it's not getting done and you think you've done the work, mm-hmm. right? Like there's still that another, that next layer to it. Okay. Like again, why, why are we losing to a 15 year old? Why am I only finishing, you know, like ninth all the time? Mm-hmm. There's a reason for it. It's just, you know, the answer is somewhere in here. You'll find it. It's just going to require a lot of digging because, you know, we're human. Well, I think we that get beca- in our own way. I think that becomes a more bigger conversation for the teams. Um, if we want to categorize uh, types of teams and types of players, that that um, raises its ugly, ugly head um, on the bigger stages like the semis and finals because now you have – you have a team, you have a semis or a finals where all four people are, are athletically and physically uh, have already mind, minded their P's and Q's, right? And and you like you said, um, sustainability, who's going to be able to do it longer? Who's going to be able to um, fall back on something that works for them the right way? Because that, that mental has to lead to that physical, right? So um, so for me, it def- it applies more to the higher level players than the people who are trying to trying to find their way because uh, you can find players out there that went on sheer will right like we were talking about John Moran I got him trained he's he's winning games because his IQ is there his mind is right uh, um and he can out and technique wise you know that that leads to this he can out technique a lot of people and people scratch their head and figure out how do they lost to lost to a guy who you know, hasn't made a final since the NVL in 2016, <laughs> right? So, right. but again, uh, well, like, it, but from the qualifier, because that's right. the, that's the yeah, kind. Yeah. Come on, that's the kind of man Mor- Mor- Moran is. I'm a man of Moran. But go ahead. Well, to to that point though, right? Like mm-hmm. someone like myself compared to Moran, like where we're both at mm-hmm. in our lives, right? 
he's played for like 30 plus yeah. years but ver and very right? yeah and like like in a very high level i haven't even played for 10 yet i mean i think i'm like eight <laughs> yeah i think i've played volleyball for eight years now mm -hmm. and like maybe competitively for like six of those eight years got it so you could still say if you want to you know use that like time as like a measuring stick sure that like i'm still like in my like infancy of volleyball right like that's not a long time to play it's especially no. you know based on my age i'm 30 i'm, I'm yeah you know like, i mean compared to a lot of people who are 30 that have played there since they've been like 10 right yeah like if you're talking to like a large percentage of players yeah yes. exactly like you know it's all circumstantial based on you know, your experience level mm -hmm. which is why i didn't want to categorize anything and just make it more kind of like everyone needs to be doing this whether it's for volleyball whether it's for you know right. just your everyday life mm -hmm. because it, once i started doing that it actually made it easier for me to get better with my skill sets right because i was being much more honest with myself i wasn't hiding from the real problems that i was having and i feel like that's what a lot of people do right is when you're not dealing with the emotional the mental as much as the physical like dude the emotional is scary it really like, is. It, like it's terrifying to you know, go have to, like if you allow it to be right to have to go into like, your thoughts your mind your brain and deal with all those like you know negative thoughts that you might have while playing and right like it's it's not easy there was um i saw a a video on instagram the other day this guy he said if you were standing at the edge of a lake and on the other side so like a mile mile and a half long swim right on the other side if you can swim across this lake you get to the other side you had you get everything all your dreams will come true you know everything you've ever wanted like you will have it you just have to make this mile swim but while you're swimming like this lake represents all the trauma you've gone through all the negative emotions uh, you know every loss you may have had like whatever it may be all the negative stuff that you've experienced in your life you're going to re-experience all of that while you swim would you swim Mm -hmm. and you ask people that and it's me i'm like hell yeah like like i don't care i'll go through it i know i've already been reliving a lot of those things because i've you know i need i knew there were a lot of stuff that i had to work through and it wasn't easy dude like there's still days that you know something old will come up that just really you know mm -hmm. tugs at your heartstrings get you down whatever but when it happens i now have a skill set to you know yeah. deal with it but you know what I mean? Like that that's kinda that's kinda the question is mm -hmm. like can you deal with the really hard stuff? Yeah. Well the difference between you and a lot of other people is like using your lake analogy is that you it's more significant to make the swim than than the wild anticipation of what's on the other end. That be some somewhere along the line. What what the other what's on the other end of the lake that 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 you swam so hard to get to becomes less important than the swim itself. Oh, you and feel like you just, probably get about halfway through that swim and realize yeah. this is way more valuable than whatever it is I think that I yeah. want on the other side, mm -hmm. right? Just, and, and that's what's that's the difference between you and a lot of people. It's, and it's um I'm, we've known each other for a long time, probably almost all of those ten years, right? Uh, um, cl or close to all of those ten years. Um, mathematically i would say seven um and that's what changed i think mentally for you 
you know, I think the for you there was this destination that you thought would give you the accolades and the respect that you worked so hard um, to get that people should take an interpretive notice just as you've taken given the ne- given them their respect and gave them their notice right and then somewhere along the way you're like wait this is doesn't matter it's a cool story like yeah. I, I mean look avengers endgame you can watch the end and get everything you need to know out of that but man you're missing a fun journey you're missing the fun journey on how they get to, had to get all six stones right so yeah uh, i mean i mean it meant the end means something but i don't know and again here's here's my kind of where I'm at personally, like with my like volleyball career and everything, right? Is that... De- Dion says, Tori, nice get. Dion Chirulio. Dion. Yo, Dion's a chef. He's a sushi chef. I'm going to tell so you about him later. Come see me. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, where I'm at personally with it all, though, is like... So I want to win, sure. Like, I, like winning's fun, right? You know, like, to come out on top, you know, take down a tournament, whatever. But what I realized, like you kind of said, is like it's the journey, man. Like that's really it. Like I've had some of my best days just going and playing TVAs with some of my friends. That have we had the best day? Nah. Like yeah. we maybe didn't even like pull out of like a double A or something, right? It doesn't get me down anymore. You know, like it. Like it doesn't matter. Like like I said, they're learning, they're teaching tools. It's an experience, right? That's all it is. It's just an experience. Okay, oh, maybe you had a bad experience. I'm like, oh, you know what? Like, even if I get on a plane and go eventually when I go play like a one star somewhere, right? Even if I go and lose the qualifier, what a cool experience though to like to to have to deal with that, right? Like, what a what an opportunity to you know, it's going to suck. <laughs> like, it's uh, it's not going to be fun to go and lose a game, you know, in, like, the Philippines, where I've spent, you know, like, a couple grand probably on, like, making the trip happen, right? It's for one match. Like, but again, it's it's all about how you perceive it, right? If, sure. If, Some people make that trip just to look at rocks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But that, that would be part of it is, like, knowing that, you know, like, just because I flew out here, and lost doesn't mean that there's still not more to experience while I'm there. I agree. Right. And that's, yeah. to me, that's it. Like winning isn't the end game anymore no. for me. I, I also find myself being a fan of people who um, embrace the technique of volleyball, embrace the mentality, embrace the momentums, the ups and downs and kind of winning, winning and losing takes care of itself. Right. We were talking about, Partain and Banesh, by the way. And I wanted to also cite that Andy Banesh's training habits are significantly better. Like, oh, dude. he's not cutting corners. He's, oh, no, he's doing he's... he's doing his releases faster on the set. He's he you know what I'm saying? As a coach, as a coach, I've been doing this for a long time and I know when someone's training's better and his training's better. But I wanted to I wanted to caveat that. But I wanted to talk about them one last time because when they won Huntington, it was anticlimactic because they were just in their zone. They were, and they didn't even know that. They didn't even know what the hell the score was. I'm, I'll bet you, if I interviewed them, they didn't even know that they. The they, ref was just like they didn't even realize over. they won, and they <laughs> they did this at the end, shook hands, and and everybody's like, oh, they did that because they knew they had bigger fish to fry than Huntington. And I'm like, no, they're not there because they weren't thinking about winning and losing. And like, you gotta let us TV, man. You gotta let us <laughs> monitor. It does whatever it wants. But um, and that is why. I I wanted to cite them one last time. And the other thing is I'm a big fan of Trevor Crap. Had him on the podcast. And I think the thing that's unique about Trevor is 
he allows himself to step to open the fourth curtain or the fourth wall mm -hmm. engage with the fans a little bit just enough where he feels their energy because he feeds off of both positive or negative then shuts the curtain and goes back to whatever the, the reason why i'm a fan of that guy is because of that i don't i we all play to win but we're, we're he's thinking more just about one point at a time and he's he's another one of those guys when the match is over you know um He'll do this, you know, he'll shake hands and he'll shake hands with the ref and then he'll take this time to stand in the middle of the center court and then be like, then all of a sudden the, the rush comes, right? And this, this is anyone that's ever won anything in their life. Uh, if you've never won anything in your life at a heightened level, I'm not even talking about volleyball now. I'm talking about something that you work so hard to get to that when you finally get there, there's this feeling when you get there, it's not celebratory because... You're, you're still locked in. You're not paying attention to the score or or, or, the, or whatever. When you get there, there's this anticlimactic feeling. But then when you get a chance to take it all in, you, you just might cry like a grown man. You might cry your freaking eyes out. You're, you feel it here. And it comes crashing into your fourth chakra. That ability oh. to, to, to feel, that ability to love and be loved. That's just, just pure joy. Boom. Just, just, it's one of the greatest feelings in the world. Now, the only reason why some, some people might feel it um, when the score happens is because they might look at the score when it's match point. And then there's this level of anxiety and maybe they get that last point and they burst or maybe, maybe match point, they're giving up another one, they're giving up another one. It's like, all right, I got to lock back in. I feel like I'm playing keep away ball here, <laughs> you know, yeah, right? Yeah, Instead yeah. of whatever. So, so I wish everybody, because not everybody can feel that at, at a certain level. Now, sports is the biggest example because of the work you put in to get to that moment, whether you win or lose, uh, means a lot to this small number of people. Volleyball, beach volleyball is double, so of course it's more heightened. But, dude, the Army, boot, I graduated boot camp. That was awesome. I, I couldn't do more than nine push-ups when I was in boot camp, in the beginning of boot camp. Passing the fellows, you know, the fitness test, qualifying with a weapon, then going to AIT, graduating like with a 92.28 average, learning about diesel generators and this and that. There is this small feeling of the drill sergeant, you know, pinning the the AIT ribbon on you, pinning the national defense, does a storm thing and saying, Congratulations, you kinda you cry a little bit, you know, and but it's not as heightened because it's collect it's a collective. I got the same thing everyone in my platoon that worked as hard as me got. So that's different. And you're talking like 23 people now, you know, instead of two. Or tennis, one. It's it's one of the greatest feelings in the world. It, it really is. No, 100% is. Yeah. You know, like I've had those those moments mm -hmm. in like high school and stuff. And, you know, even just like getting through yoga teacher training, like that was 10 weeks of a lot. Like that, that was hard. Yeah. Um, you can see the end of that too. There's a moment. That that's a milestone where you have to take that moment, right? No, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I had that moment for about five how'd seconds. How'd that feel? I went to work. Oh, I was gonna ask you how that feel. You're like, uh, it was good. I was like, hey, I gotta go to work. Oh my uh, God. You're like Eminem <laughs> from Eight Mile. You just won the freaking rap battle. It's like, where you going, man? We're gonna celebrate. He said, man, I gotta go back to work. Remember, remember the end <laughs> yeah, of Eight Mile? Yeah. I gotta go back to work. Someone's covering for me just for this shit. So, so, um, yeah. And I felt that way when I got my college degree too, because. I was a guy that was a boy interrupted. I was this academic and then something happened in my teenage life where I went from straight A's to failing every class. This thing that happened in my life and to bounce back from that, you know. And and my mom, who I don't have a strong relationship with, like my mom, who, who basically hosted the party 
and, and the, on the Upper East Side at my favorite bar where I sing karaoke, said, now I can die. <laughs> <laughs> that's how, guys, that, that's how moms do, man. Now look, for, yeah, for you guys listening, where you're from an academic family where people are supposed to go to college and people are supposed to graduate college and y'all ain't got to worry about student loans, or maybe you do or maybe you don't, maybe you got rich mommies, maybe you got full scholarships. Um, when you're from a family like mine, like, and you're only the second person to graduate. Look, my mom at the time was the first. Uh, um, but then after that, all the siblings. When your mom says, now I can die. <laughs> come on, come on, people. All right, back to volleyball. Give me one thing fundamentally uh, that you'd like to uh, you'd like to show um, significant or smaller improvement on fundamentally we're talking about hitting blocking serving passing digging setting I would definitely say my being more dynamic offensively like consistently because I know you, I can do it are you talking about hitting yeah hitting okay yeah like definitely Boy, once you know you can do it, that's like... Well, wow. again, it's like uh, like you said, you know, we kind of fall into old habits, right? Tendencies, all that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. I find myself going back to what I trust instead of being like, hey, like, just, you know, mm -hmm. just try something different. Who cares? Hit the ball out, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> try it again. <laughs> you know, it's weird. The last time I was actually physically playing, physically able to play, I remember we were, we were doing reps with... Um, remember Greg Schenkel? Yeah. yeah Greg yeah. Schenkel, guys, former um, NCAA champ. Pepperdine, played with Dane Blanton, played with Tom Sorensen. He was actually, um, I think he was Kevin Wong's first partner. Yeah. Oops. I see him every day. It fell out. Yeah, yeah I think they live like right down the street. Let's do that. Let's, actually, you can work it if you want so you can hear it. Can, That's good. Can oh, hear it. That? That's good, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, so, yeah, we actually walk our, our, our kids are one greater part, so we walk our kids to school every morning. Oh, nice. But. We're playing a doubles game. It's him, me, you, and and the great Greg Faulkner, oh, who's sorry, the, the hitman for hire, right? Yeah. Um, if you watch the video, because I watched the video, the only person that didn't get that got served at least was you. <laughs> it was just we were all of us were comfortable, and you and guys, we're talking about a lesser level here, but we're talking about something everyone can relate to. Would you rather deal with the power, or would you rather deal with this pain in the ass? This guy whose who shot game and power is a great mixture. I just showed you guys a pull chart with Case Beer and Allen, right? Yeah, early in the podcast. Who do you think we served more? Did we? Do you think we served Billy Allen? No, we did not. So, so that. But that's how I knew you arrived. I'm like, well, okay, he's just. This isn't random. He's 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 a real, oh well, he's a real He's a real player. He sees he sees me. <laughs> he sees me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you working tonight? Yeah, yeah, yeah I work at four thirty. I think yeah, four thirty. Yeah. Did they did they mandate you have a vaccine? No. All right, good. They tried to. Yeah. Well, I mean, the owners didn't. The state did. Yeah, well, here's the problem with that. The um, when the president declared the pandemic um, over, um, the EUA, which is the emergency use authorization uh, for the vaccine, expired. And when it expired, they no one can legally make you take it anymore. It's not fully FDA approved. It's never been fully FDA approved. Um, there'll be some articles in, in the news that say fully FDA approved, but they have to put in parentheses under the EUA. Right. But the headline they could put fully FDA approved, but somewhere in their writing they have to cover, you know, they have to see YOA, which was a, a good sales point for them. But um, I was vaccinated twice, so it's not like I'm an anti-vax guy. It's not, you know, it's not, um, but 
though I had two problems during this pandemic. One, someone saying that you have to take this, right? Um, I had a huge problem with them. Two, um, no liability, right? I had a friend of mine that joined the company and they said they were mandating you take it. You know what he said? He drew a contract up that says, um, I want you to sign this that says that if I get hurt, I get to sue you guys. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Uh-oh, no? No. Why? Yeah. <laughs> you know? You're, so so that, those are the only two problems. The one, they were ma- one, when we, lo- when we found out it was no longer uh, um, a pandemic against the unvaccinated, like people that were vaccinated were getting it too, uh, um, you shouldn't make someone take something um, that they don't want to take. You know, this is different from like our children being immunized, like yeah. things that have been, you know, things that 50 years of testing and all the mistakes we made till we finally got it right. <laughs> you know, so sorry. Guy. Oh, no, I'm. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about thoughts that. <laughs> about now, that's a skip. I don't even know. This. I mean, we could we could do a skip on this. No, I'm there's so many more it. interesting just, things uh, to talk about then. You know, yeah, I'm people are already aware. They yeah, I'm, I'm the conspiracy theorist. Uh, well, they're called spoiler alerts now, right? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> two man. years, two conspiracy theories two years ago are spoiler alerts. Dude, it's all it's. Well, to me, it's angering. When you came, I was angry. I feel better because you always, you you always come in with um, peaceful and all that stuff well, and make me feel better. It's, um... But I'm angry because it's still like on the on a large new newsworthy um, network basis. It's still a story to them. There are still people wearing masks. There are still people that are saying you have to get this this uh, this booster or whatever and this and that. You know that was only approved by. I mean, that wasn't even. There was no human trials. It was tested on eight mice. It's, it's crazy. Um, oh man, I mean, do you want you want to go down a rabbit hole? We could go down a rabbit hole. And we could, yeah, we could always cut this. We're at one thirty. I know where to cut if we don't want this. We could, we could go down a rabbit hole. Um, okay, so. Where do I start with this one? Okay, so let's look at like big picture, mm-hmm. right? But, but we all we all know like there's no like secret, right? Like most governments, they're all sure. you know like kind of in some sense like interconnected. Right, like this whole thing with like NATO, WHO, Sorry, that's, all that. My bad. I was showing volleyball by accident. I was showing <laughs> the top 15 for men. Scroll, scroll, scroll. And there's an American team. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> um, the world is actually just run by a very small group of people. Right? They're based in Geneva, Switzerland. Never mm-hmm. notice nothing bad ever happens in Switzerland. It's always neutral. Yeah. They didn't have to do the whole lockdown bit. No. Right? Yeah. Not for me, but for thee. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, gosh, this is, I mean, there's so many levels to all this. Um, the world is run by, by Phoenician Babylonian bankers. All right. Like if you start, All right. This is Torin. This, this is, is Torin. Diving in. Let's go. <laughs> so, For the, my people on YouTube, relax. This is a theory and we will tell the, tr- we yeah. will tell the truth later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you start tracing back history, 
right? There's a lot that has to do with like religion and when like banks and stuff were first started. The Rothschild family, how they actually changed their names and like all these things that you can kind of do your own research. I won't get into it like super deep. I've actually met Fred Rothschild and I met Lilo, his wife. I met them before, but go ahead. Right. But, um, so I think there's like, they call them like the six families or whatever. Is it six or nine? One of those, you know, three, six or nine numbers. Um, if you look at religion right and what it actually is so it kind of came about is that what they realized through once banks kind of became a thing that were like oh hey if you can get everybody to think the same like we can control all the money and like the population is like the basic like short very short synopsis of what somebody figured out right um so you know, how many times has the Bible been changed? How many times has the Quran been changed? Et cetera, et cetera. From right? them, the King James, the to King the New James, Edition. The King James, the New to... Edition to this, to that. But why? Like, why? Why do they keep changing it? Like, and you know, like, why do, you know, Christians and all that, like, basically not, don't acknowledge that there was stuff, like, that predates Christianity. There were civilizations that predate Christianity. You know, you talk about, like, ancient Mesopotamia, yeah. Sumeria. You would think the world is only... Like, Five thousand years old, if, right, you, if no, you only followed exactly, right. exactly. Like, no, like human civilization's been around for a very, very long time. It's cyclic. Like every twenty six thousand years, roughly, like there's some cataclysmic event that like the Earth like resets itself. Right, <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Um. So, if you take religion, right, and really start to like analyze it like across all continents like all over the world right is that every single religion for the most part has a very similar story with very similar symbolism for example if you take your egyptian they weren't they're actually like gods we'll just use the word gods for now right the egyptian gods like um ra 12 followers 12 12 followers died on december 25th was reborn after three days like all the exact same symbolisms of orthodox christianity of of orthodox christianity you have very similar stuff in judaism not with jesus but i forget the whatever um same thing with stuff in like south america even like buddhism has like you know um, stuff with like the number 12 like followers all those kind of things they all have the same symbolism. Right? So, so they had an Instagram account there. Only, <laughs> they'd have 12 there's, followers. Um, and those followers would have all the thousands of people. There's <laughs> a movie called Zeitgeist yeah. that breaks it down really well. I don't know if you've seen it. No, but I've heard of it. Yeah. Watch the first 20 minutes of Zeitgeist. They break it down really, really well in terms of like all these religions are talking about the exact same thing. Right? Like the exact same thing. So it begs the question, how did all of these people spread out so far over, over the world have the exact same, uh, like, cache of information, mm-hmm. right? Like, how did they come to very similar conclusions or, you know, like, writings and stuff? Well, it to very clearly states that, like, there was someone going around teaching them things mm-hmm. and then they were just putting it in like texts and like all these kinds of things. Right. And like, you've seen the stuff with 
like you know i think the pentagon and what it's come out they're like oh there might be like a you have like a mothership like you know hovering on our galaxy like checking us out like all those kinds of things like these slow rolls of like extraterrestrial disclosure and that's put the news so bad i refuse to click on it because my bandwidth my conspiracy bandwidth is too full right now i I see that ufo whatever pentagon i'm like no i'm not clicking on that but go ahead (laughs) so i had the pleasure i got to actually met someone who their contract they used to work in some like underground government Mm -hmm. programs like military like deep stuff right um that his contract ended so he can like talk about does he live here it worked at he's in california yes we might know we um, might know the same guy oh my god we ain't so. saying the name of no, no I, names it's definitely but we... it's definitely not the same guy all definitely right. not the same guy all right, good. um but he basically confirmed a lot of things that i had questions about you mm-hmm. know like technology that exists uh our government's been working with extraterrestrials for years right like basically since like the formation of our government right so they exist. There's this technology out here. And you've we've all heard the stories, right? Like people, the, the conspiracy theorists, whatever, that question like, oh, you know, like like uh, extraterrestrials built the pyramids, they did this and this. Well, they did. They definitely did build them. Um, not how we could really pers- like understand how at this right. point in our, like, you know, existence as humans. Like, there had to, dude, there had to be a great reset. Like, if humans did this, and you're saying something entirely different, but if humans did this, the technology they had in the mathematics before whatever great reset that got rid of all that must have been phenomenal. Well, or, I, or it's your theory, well, amongst this, other theories. This had, um, there's a lot of people, I mean, this is the information that's coming from people who are a lot smarter yeah. than me that basically like study this for mm-hmm. Like a living, yeah. Right? Graham, Graham, Graham Hancock. Graham Hancock. One. Jesus, he's um, such a yeah. He's such an interest. What an interesting guy to listen to for hours. Yeah. You know, because like you said, just oh, trust me, I have. <laughs> um, I like that he makes it make sense. Look, the reason why there are conspiracy people out there because they see something and it makes sense to them. Okay, so I'll leave that at that. But go ahead. Um, so. Like the way that we understand, like a lot of, like what religion actually is, is like the Bible is actually an acronym or an acronym. Uh, So basic instructions before leaving Earth. That's what it means. It's an instruction manual. Wow. But you have to have a very deep understanding of human physiology, astronomy, and astrology to actually understand what it's talking about. Because it's 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 like literally a gateway to how to heal yourself. Well, without that, it's unbelievable. It's not believable. Without the embracement of what you said, the other, it's it's not plausible. But once you start to understand that all the characters, the events, and all these things that are actually in the Bible are actually like information that you can utilize for like the betterment of like yourself like and humanity and it's the same thing with all your religious texts like the torah uh the quran like they they're all like these instruction manuals and then you take stuff like the the language of like use hebrew for example it's very mathematically based right if you take the 
numerical assignments of the Hebrew alphabet and cross-reference them with um, the elements that make that like humans are made out of like carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, hydrogen. Yeah. Boy, Tyler must, first... Tyler must have a field day with this. Oh, yeah. Ty, uh, Ty probably is, knows a lot of this stuff already, I would imagine. But Sorry, it literally spells out um, like, uh, like Yahweh in our DNA. Like the first line of every person's DNA spells out God in right. Hebrew. Yahweh, yeah. Yep. Think of, also, not an accident. <laughs> not to mention, whether you're reading the Torah, or whether you're reading the Quran, or whether you're reading the Bible, some of the stories to, told that provide these valuable lessons and teaching tools so we can, we can be decent human beings and not, not do whatever but we want. there's levels there, to them, though. Well, there's levels to them because they're in order for it to be a story, to, to be a memory that, to be passed on and taught, it has to be bigger than it is. For example, right? Like, this is my own personal belief. This is my this is my bro my bro history, um, David and Goliath, right? Like in the Bible, you have I, I think they they describe him as like sixteen or twenty feet tall, right? Maybe in reality, maybe he was like a seven footer, you know, amongst people who were generally shorter at that time, right? So it's still intimidating. But if he's only seven feet tall and not twenty feet tall. This is a story worth telling, you know, and in our mind, we think we could take a baseball bat and, and club J check, you know, Jack or, yeah. or, 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 um, Robbie page or, you know, someone or avatar. Right. And in our mind, it's not a story because we, we don't need, you know, uh, we may, I mean, you, you could use a slingshot and hit the right part of his, his head at the right time, or you could just take a bat to his knees and say, yeah. okay, but you know, that ain't happening. Take a bat to a 20, a 20 footer. He go ow, and then he looks at you, and you're like, "Oh shoot, I'm in, run, yeah. run." So, I believe that sensationalism was necessary, uh, or exaggeration was necessary to make these stories. Um, no, hundred percent. Uh, uh, past generation to generation to generation, because I think what, what you and me were talking about, uh, um, what they perceived as a decent society, uh, um, or were teaching tools, which is why what you were talking about earlier, why. The Bible changes like every 500 years. This, this version, right. that version. But it changes for what they deem a societal change. Right. But check this out, though, right? God, so please. we can use that story as an example of kind of like the stuff that's actually like hidden in there. So you can look at the David versus Goliath story as like, you know, David trying to conquer his ego, right? Like Goliath. You know, ruler giant. I don't know the story all that well, but I mean, we should, let's, for everyone educated, let's just call it a one-on-one, right? Yeah, David's exactly. tiny. He's big. He has a slingshot. Go right, but it shows how fragile the ego is, right? That all it took was one stone to threaten it, to bring it down, right? So that that's like a major triumph because it didn't. It there was a lot of problems leading up to that moment with david and goliath right like there was a whole it's a whole you know story yeah so like the outcome of it is basically like conquering the ego like this is what happens when the ego gets too big right you just you just might get killed by a rock yeah exactly (laughs) something like that (laughs) your ego's too big careful 
Yeah, but there's all kinds of you know, like fun little like for example the the whole idea of, um, like, you know like Jesus dying and then being resurrected after three days, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of levels to that one. Um, there's this whole thing like this, this secretion, which like, that's a whole like podcast worth of conversation. Uh, but you can look at it as something like fasting, right? Like what happens when you fast for three days? Mm -hmm. Your body activates its defense mechanisms after 24 hours, 48, 72. When you hit 72 hours into fasting, your body starts to naturally produce growth hormone. It's like the equivalent of a very low dose of steroids, right? Okay. But it starts to heal itself. It's the most long lost forgotten cure for disease, illness, physical ailment. Like... Just don't that, eat for three days. Yeah. Or if you can continue sending it out, like your body starts to really do really cool stuff. Like I fast all the time. Like I'm you, actually. You do like a 24 hour one or? I'm actually going 72 hours right now. So I'm what? What, what time is it? I'm. I'm about. Like 36 hours, some middle, maybe almost 40 hours in, something like that. Whoa! Yeah, it has like matcha and matcha. It's like I make my own like almond milk at home and like okay. water and like I supplement with like shilajite. But I just don't feel like I need food. I played a tournament. I went up to play with Chris Ships up in Oregon. We played thirteen sets of volleyball. I hadn't eaten in forty eight hours. That's crazy, dude. And I all I drank was water the whole day. Stayed calm. Stayed cool. Fine. Stayed collected. I didn't. Yeah. I had tons of energy. Yeah. Like it's. What I've learned nutritionally over the last year, everything we, that we think is correct that we've like been like indoctrinated to, like that we grew up with. The science is settled. It's wrong. I, I, <laughs> it's wrong. I'm being facetious. <laughs> no, I know. I know. It's it's just yeah. wrong. Yeah, but go ahead. Like, like you had um, what's his face, Sal, um, whatever the the carnivore MD guy on. Oh, Bart K. Bart K. Okay, him. Yeah, yeah. Whatever his name is. Yeah. Well, the, I had Phil Escott too, but yeah. But the, the Carnivore MD. Like, right. Like again, if it works for you, by all means, you know, like mm -hmm. go for it, right? But what I've learned about food, like how the human body works, and like structured water, like H three O two, not H two O. What we're actually made of H three O two, like the structured like jelly water, is. Like, we're technically designed to be frugivores, right? Like, we should be basically just be eating, like, fruit. Like, we're the most, like, divine, like, higher, higher consciousness beings walking around on this planet right now. Mm -hmm. But we behave like animals, like, lower vibrational, right? Like, because like, we are. We are, yeah. we, we are animals, but we have the choice to do better. Because there's this thing called the the law of one, right? Like this idea that, you know, like everything's interconnected, which, it, you know, physics has actually kind of proved that through like quantum entanglement, right? But everything's interconnected. And to me, like, I can't really fathom, like every once in a while I'll have a little bit of meat just because like I, you know, I did used to like really enjoy it, but it's hard for me to like ingest it now just I've had some really weird experiences over the last year yeah. with like animals and that kind of stuff that have totally flipped my perspective on 
some a lot of things. Of course, yeah. Um, that was your perspective because that was your own personal perspective. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's my own personal perspective. And it's like again, I don't. There's no right or wrong way to live your life. Like, yeah. I'm not. I'm not telling anybody what to do. No, just, you're basically you're talking about like maybe factory farming, maybe slaughtering of animals, maybe this and that, or you know, maybe or yeah. maybe not. Well, well, here's right? something people don't consider, right? Like animals experience emotions, mm -hmm. right? So every animal does, though. Exactly. Okay, good. Okay, so we're, to good. some extent, so we can, every no, but we can continue. experiences nah, some form of As long emotion. as we, we understand right? that. Like, like most, most of not them just had, a, cows. had a pet. Right? But not like just cows. All of them. Not, all, they all do. Yeah. They all do. All right. If you're going to ingest something, like, like for example, you know you're going to die. Your brain releases certain chemicals that go into your bloodstream that create that fear response, right? And mm -hmm. all that. So now consider that... You're about to eat an animal that knew that wasn't like killed, you know, like in a much more natural, like fair, like, you know, like wild living, mm -hmm. like just like shot, clean kill. Right. That experienced fear its entire life. You know, like it was in a pen for, you know, 15 years, however long, you know what I mean? But it's that, been, but it's that been, is a different kind of animal. It's though, been, right? I mean, chickens are. But even still, even yeah. still, mm -hmm. they're still experiencing some sort of negative emotional state that's in their bloodstream, that's being sent out to people to consume. Right. And like you are what you eat. Like there's a reason that people say that, like you're consuming that into your DNA. You're ingesting those chemicals of that produce fear and all that. Like you're putting that into yourself. I think that that might be a thing to consider with, you know, can't we say the same thing about plants that are also no, living things? No, you 100%. You 100% can say yeah. the same thing about plants. The only thing that truly wants to be eaten is fruit. Fruit is the only thing that wants to be eaten because how does it live? Mm. That's how it spreads its seeds. You eat the seeds, you know, you poop them out yeah, somewhere well, else and then a new tree grows somewhere. You know what I mean? I, I um, had someone at my job follow something called a glycemic index, right? She was a diabetic. Um, not, not the one, you know, not... The, the type one and type two, there's one, mm -hmm. doesn't matter if you're in shape or not. And then there's a the fat people diabetic, right? She was a fat person diabetic, had a cane, had some muscle stiffness, and then started following a glycemic chart, like blood sugar, just um, not not going cold turkey on something that's completely healthy, right? We're just going to eat cardboard if that's the case, right? Um, <laughs> which doesn't, which, which doesn't feel any pain. And strawberries, right? Well, like medium, medium low. And like strawberries are good for her skin complexion. So her skin complexion got better. Uh, blueberries were, you know, serve as a good antioxidant. That was on the medium low glycemic right over. Now all of a sudden she has more of a total trim. Uh, um, and, you know, she's pooping better. And, and in a year, a year and a half, no cane, muscle stiffness went away, got rid of the cane, just started walking. And, and we watched this woman um, transform in front of our very eyes almost to a point where like someone was like you look a little bit frail and she's like you're being a hater <laughs> because i'm losing all this weight she got a little defensive but uh, i think he was overtly concerned because in his mind you if you you know you in that guy's mind your body changes and, and if you're fat that's how you that's how life you know what i'm saying because he was trained to believe if your body exactly, changes yeah. and you're, you're fat you're just gonna get fatter and that's it that's life that, and she decided to change that, you know, and I knew where she was coming from because I went through a similar experience that I'm not going to talk about because, you know, we're we're flowing here. And if, yeah. I, if I make it about me, it, it F's up the whole thing. But but I wanted to tell that story about her. Um, but the only reason why I brought it up is because the glycemic index, the the, the lasting memory in my head 
there were different food groups, you know, for it. And, but I, I paid attention to the fruit one. Right. And I was surprised and shocked and amazed which ones were highest on the glycemic index. Well, like dates, bananas, and pineapples, right? Which volleyball players eat pineapples and bananas all the time, right? And which were the uh, medium low. Go ahead, continue. Well, I was going to say, the, the glycemic index is a nice tool, but when it comes to, um, like, fruit, what you have to understand is the way that the sugars that are present in it, like, get processed by your body right? right like people can look up the difference between how like monosaccharides get processed which is like your naturally occurring sugar and like fructose and then like a disaccharide which is more like your processed sugar right, right? monosaccharides basically get processed in your like basically like burned off in like your liver i believe it is and then the other ones actually have to go through your pancreas so they can be filtered and then processed by your liver right Process. so your natural sugar is basically just pure energy that your body's just gonna process like that, right? Like there's no. That's but that's more calories though, right? That's like photons of light, heat. Uh, I mean, calories are even kind of the long way to like look at it. Like we're electrical beings, like we're electrical based, right? right. Like we should be measuring energy in like in like kilojoules. Like seriously, <laughs> we, we should. be 100% shit. I'm laughing because it's true. It's kind of it's seriously. very very true. <laughs> like look up uh, if if. If you have anyone that's listening or whatever wants to pull time, like the, look, the look it up kilojoules now. in like whatever fruit, like like in a serving of like a mango or whatever, right? Like calories are kind of just like a guesstimate of how much energy is present in something, and then they're usually at least like thirty percent either direction, like more or less, and sometimes greater. Wow. Eating dried fruit regularly is not recommended. It is as high in kilojoules and can stick to the teeth and increase the risk of dental decay. As you can easily eat more than you realize. How many kilojoules is in an apple? 300. Dude, I'm just going through this. Wow. How many kilojoules in a banana? Okay, 371 energy-wise amount. I guess depending on the banana, yeah. Right. Yeah, but you're right. Like, look, I'm just giving you two. I just wanted to give you one example. This is a person that didn't eat a lot of meat. Um, she had some some chicken, some poultry, or whatever, and this and that, some turkey, um, uh, uh, like lean, leaner meat. Uh, cut bread almost completely out um, because, especially California, is weird bread. It's just like hard water, soft water bread. Like New York, I ate bread yeah. all my life. I ate bread all my life in New York, never got fat, and I moved here, and I, and. I, I don't even want to eat pizza anymore. I don't even want to eat pizza anymore, dude. So that's an example of someone who didn't go to carnivore route. And then Huntington Beach, a woman comes up to me. I'll just name her name. Her Only her first name. Her name is Melissa. Really sweet person. She says, I listen to your podcast all the time. And, I, and you know, I felt made me feel good about yeah, myself. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, this this one's going to shoot the, we're going to shoot the sheriff about, um, about volleyball, she was. She definitely wants to talk shop about volleyball, so I'm already prepared. And she's like, she saw the podcast with Bart K, mm -hmm. which she got a lot from. But the guy after him, Phil Escott, uh, um, very similar to Bart K, and I'll tell you about him later. But she said she listened to the podcast and she went on a carnivore diet, and like the love handles went away. She was like this totally trim, ripped person. She had like, she said she. I'm just describing. She used to have a face that looked, you know, like. I guess acne or whatever I call it, the pepperoni pizza face, uh, gone. Her face, her skin complexion well, was was really, really, really smooth. And she she wanted to thank me for having that guest on my podcast. And I'm like, this is so cool. First of all, it's so cool because it's a volleyball driven podcast. But this person wants to take a picture with me because um, of Dr. Bart K and Phil Escott. Yeah. So this is just an example of how two different 
this person lost the weight. She's healthy. Yeah. I mean, dude, again, and, it's and it not saved a, her life because she was 66. Yeah, and it's it's not a one size fits all. That's why I have right. nothing against people that no. take that route. Like I do, and, I used to eat meat all the time. And look at I you, to, you yeah, played still, a, you played a tournament and didn't even eat. Yeah, <laughs> and it's fine. Like, <laughs> and, it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I could have kept playing. We played 13 sets. I was like, oh, but, I still got like another couple. No, but I here. appreciate your sentiment on doing what works for you, but also um, realizing. Um, the science behind that, your body recovery from that and such. So, because I don't get into the sociological uh, or, or the, um, uh, what do you call it? The social issue aspect of it, right? Oh, you're killing all those animals. And I'm like, these people aren't doing their stats. There are more animals that actually died if you people vegetables than, than, than people killing animals to eat meat. So then that's a stat that nobody wants to talk about. No, yeah, 100%. Which is why I talk about pesticides. But which is why I don't engage with people like that. But I will have this conversation because one, I'm getting an education from you because you are one of those guys that do their homework, right? We talked about Dr. Barquet. He has four advanced medical degrees, but I got more from the guy after him, Phil Escott, who studied rheumatoid arthritis and carnivorism for 33 years. He has seminars in the UK and doctors come and they fly in and listen to this guy who's not a doctor. So so I get more education and just more insight. And this, this is a great conversation, dude. Like yeah. I talk about aspartame, like because I drink mm-hmm. a lot of Diet Coke, uh, Pepsi, but not Diet Coke anymore. And your body recovery from aspartame versus levels of aspartame, right? For the most part, there's, it, it's in it because the, the whoever's making it knows it might hurt you, but it'll, it'll hurt you if you drink... A two-liter bottle twice a day for a, for a week. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> right. I mean, if you're so, drinking, like, you know, two Diet Cokes a day talking about like sac- a period of what, time. What like, are the other things you were talking about? Saccharin. You are talking about other elements that are, like, in sugar, uh, different types of sugar. Uh, that it's, just, it's, it's more about what's intake and body recovery. Exactly. And mm-hmm. then, like, finding what you works for you. Like, there's... Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. This is kind of where the, like... Uh, the, like, astrology component kind of comes into it. There's a sub... This thing's called our cell salts, right? So when you're in your mother's womb for nine months, mm-hmm. you accrue nine of the celestial cell salts that are like already present in you. So then the other signs that you don't pass underneath, like through your birth, it's like I'm a Sagittarius, so I am missing like Capricorn, Aquarius, and is it Aries? I think it's Aries. So there are certain foods that have certain substances in there that are such that are those like cell salts, right? So there's certain things that everyone should eat based on when they were born that's going to like give you the rest of what your body needs now they kind of circle back to you know like the carnivore diet working well it works because if you're eating you know high quality like meat right like especially animal organs Mm -hmm. right there's a lot of mineral content in those because we're we're but that's our anthropology as well right exactly yeah right but again like mineral mineral content in water food is going to trump everything else yeah. because like that's the essence of life right you, like minerals yeah. that's yeah. what we need that's why you you know i could but even they will admit you need vitamin c you need some kind some uh, a source of vitamin c which but is here's true the, here's the because we as humans we used to i don't know if you know this we used to be able to reproduce and build our own we don't we can't do that anymore so I think 800 years ago, we became codependent. They had kids, they had kids, and now it's gone. So even like you're talking about the fruit thing, even they have to admit. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> did I, did you still got that thought? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Um, so I mean, minerals are the best. I mean, well, I was, I was going to ask you if, uh, 
you want to talk about a real far-fetched one. This was the one that uh, I wasn't sure if I was like, you know what? I don't care anymore. People can know. Put it on the internet. I don't give a shit. I don't care. People got to know. Human urine. Like I said we could keep. We could keep or delete this, this. one. I really want you to keep. Oh, you're gonna go the Leonardo Machida route. Yeah, but I'm gonna get a little bit more into why. It's mm-hmm. uh, I know Leo Machida, and you know he's infamous fighter that you know was like, <laughs> oh, I drank my pee, it gives me strength, like that kind of deal. The dude's not lying. Yeah, he's not lying. Human urine. Um, fun fact about uh, somewhere around probably. What was the statistic on that? I think it's like ninety percent of pharmaceuticals are actually reverse engineered, engineered from the contents of human urine. That's where pharmaceuticals come from. Is your pee? All right. Now let's reverse engineer that. Okay, if they're getting all of these beneficial things that can do X, Y, and Z from your pee, what could your pee do for you? Okay. Right. There's a book. It's called My Own Perfect Medicine that I think every person needs to read. Dude, it, we're talking like it gets into how it helps cure diseases, what's actually in it. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm not kidding I you. I will send you a podcast. I you could picture me this. going on undivided and Wendy's just like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, no, that's that's a, that's a topic that I'm going to get into with Wendy, I think, on our next one. We're going to talk nutrition. Um but hey, for YouTube, the vaccines are perfectly safe, guys, okay? Safe and effective, all right? And don't drink your own pee, okay? <laughs> for YouTube purposes, all right? <laughs> pee is wrong, okay? Brussels sprouts are right. All right, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Actually, drink your pee. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just the morning one, though. Just the morning. You can. And fermented. No, so, but we're on to something serious. Dude, so what's in it? You're talking stem cells, a little bit of growth, hormones, serotonin, melatonin, dopamines. Uh, dude, the list just goes on and on and on. And in terms of efficacy of like killing diseases and stuff, it kills everything because it breaks up mucus. Where does diseases live? Diseases live in mucus, right? Like that's where they thrive. So if you ferment your pee... And then ingest it. Doesn't have to necessarily be like you swallow it. You can do it as an enema. You can do whatever, right? How many doses are we talking about? It depends. It depends. (laughs) But I'm telling you, I drink a glass every morning. Mm -hmm. I don't get sick. My energy levels are through the freaking roof. My digestive system, it's a prebiotic. It helps with digestion. Like, it's it's filtered blood. That's all it is. It's not waste. It's not waste like we've been led to believe it, right? Like poops your waste, right? Like that's where all that stuff comes right. from. Yeah. So your kidneys filter your blood, mm-hmm. and your body it pulls out all the stuff it didn't need at that time, like all the leftover minerals, nutrients, like whatever it didn't need to function, right? Mm-hmm. That's what's in your urine, right? So if you notice as the day goes on. Your pee's usually lighter as a day. And people are like, oh, like you're just more hydrated. Eh, not necessarily, right? It's just your body, because you've been moving, you've been doing things, your body needs more nutrients. So it's retaining more of them because you're not asleep. Whereas when you wake up in the morning, you know, your pee's usually a bit more yellow, right? It's because you've been out. You know, there's just a lot of unused no stuff your body didn't yeah. need. And when it's white? Yeah, there's there's nothing in there. It's just water. Right. Yeah. But it's stru- it's structured water though. Like if you, it's called urine upcycling, right? If you re-drink that, like you're getting perfect 
water. There's all these stories of people who have been stranded, you know, like in the middle of the ocean, like wherever, had no food source whatsoever, only had like only clean water source that they had was their own urine. They find these people and they're like, I actually feel really good. Like I'm not, you know, I've, they expect these people to be like emaciated, like about to die. And they're like, no, nah, like I feel good. Like I feel pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Like there was one guy, he was stuck at sea for like three months. And they're like, they found him. They're like, oh, dude, this guy's got to be in terrible shape. Like, maybe he, like, got to caught a fish here and there. Like, somehow managed to survive. He's like, oh, I just drank my pee. Like, that was it. I didn't, couldn't really catch anything because, you know, I was in the middle of the freaking Pacific somewhere. <laughs> just mm-hmm. floating on a piece of wood or whatever. But, yeah, man, that's the... There's so much research on it. It's actually the most researched thing like on the planet well it's the most enigmatic because people when people start making an argument for it um and when people actually have the balls to sit down and debate someone on it they they can't sit there and be dismissal of every single every, every single historical fact if you look- and, and correlation that goes with it uh, um so the reason why it's the most research is because there are people that just don't want to believe it but at the same time no, they, the reason they can't, it's most they can't. research is because this is where all the pharmaceutical companies get their products oh, close to yeah and if if this were to hit and become like a mainstream like thing that people Mm -hmm. do is like utilizing their urine to like heal themselves go to the cvs there goes the whole pharmaceutical industry it's gone like you there's no need for it anymore if you have Mm -hmm. that kind of level of like self-efficacy of healing it's no profit in the cure that's what i'm saying there's no profit in the cure but you know you you break it apart and take out the individual pieces and then sell people what you think they need Mm -hmm. there's profit in that yeah. Well, allow me to say something um, um, controversial, too. And I'll say this to the camera. Dying in America is the most expensive thing you can do in the, United, in, in the history of your life. Dying in America, in America, in the United States, not dying in anywhere. Dying in America is the most expensive thing you will, you will probably do your entire life because um, dark chocolate can serve as a fat burner. You can take a supplement with a fat burner. It has side effects, right? You can lower your cholesterol by... by, by changing your diet or you can take Lipitor which has possible side effects you can lower your blood pressure by just simply putting garlic on your on your food or you can um, take Norvask which is a very reliable drug by Pfizer uh, um, <laughs> but but also has side effects there's a po- they said there's a poison in every pill and if there's a poison in every pill why the hell are you taking it Yes. Why don't you take Tylenol? Why don't you accept the poison that your body uh, has a historical better chance of recovery for, for, right? Like cold spinach, right? There's a good source of iron, but uh -uh, I know there's a lot of poison in vegetables because vegetables try to protect itself from being eaten too. But anthropologically speaking, we as human beings have earned that right. Uh, 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 as far as immunity is concerned, not, I won't use the word herd immunity because I don't know the bro- the science behind it. But w- years and years of existence on this earth, we've earned that right to 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 get nutrients from that and recover from the other. Then then uh, uh, something in the lab that spun up and. You know, some human trials, it works. Okay, that person, he caught a bad one, but that's just a one-off. Uh, we'll make sure we put that in. Make sure we put that in the uh, in the detail or whatever. And this is why this is why I was very, very upset about someone, um, a society, a draconian society that says you have to take this, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know? that's it. I'm, I'm like, only got pissed off because, you know what? You know what? You know what? I'm going to finish by saying this. The, my best cure for being pissed off less is to stop watching Jimmy Dore. Jimmy Dore is this unforgiving 
I mean, consistent with the the religion of Judaism, right? And I know we got to wrap up. Consistent with the religion of Judaism, where they do guilt instead of redemption or revenge, <laughs> right? It's just guilt, yeah. shame on you, shame, shame, shame. This man uses the truth in this satirical way that makes you laugh and angry at the same time. And I just saw a most recent episode where they're they're doing like Senate hearings from all of the doctors and from some of the unelected officials that employed this policy and the and the elected officials who who um, made it law and the media who was weaponized to shaming you into this. All of, all these people are saying we didn't make anyone take anything. We didn't mandate anything. We didn't mandate that. We didn't make anyone say that. And I'm just like, I was angry. I was I was like, like first of all, you did. Second of like, all, we have it right here. Second <laughs> of all, even if you didn't, you are we supported it. Not just supported it. You 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 put it in a very like you said. It became religion, not science. Mm-hmm. Religion meaning. God says human beings have free will. No, you don't. If the other, if the choice is see it my way or burn in hell, that's not a choice, right? If you make a corporation or convince a corporation that they have to mandate that they take this or they won't work, that's not a choice for yeah. some people. Yeah. Well, for me, it's a choice. I got you know, I got I got a little fu money, right? But um, that's not a choice. So. Either they're lying, <laughs> or they set it up for they set it up in the situation where they can just say, "I didn't I didn't make anyone do anything." And when I saw that episode yesterday, I was I came into this podcast enraged. Thank God I'm talking to you, you know, because we we right we we turned there were so many colors, there was so much recovered we, we recovered on this, and we could definitely pick this up more at some point. Um, but there's two things I wanted to do. One, at some point, I got I want to take my kid. Um, it's Daddy Daughter Day, so yeah. so what I want to do is um take get showered, clean up, and then do something with her. And two, we got to do the lightning rounds. We got to right. do the sixty second lightning rounds. Oh my God! Well, let you, me say let me say this. Please, this, while I'm setting while I'm that. no, but while I'm setting this up, you could tell me. I only say these things. Um, I know a lot of them can seem kind of far fetched. And just because, I mean, dude, just see if it makes sense. Well, just doing that, just unlearning he... everything that we've been taught is such like a weird process to kind of undergo. Of like, okay, like something's not right, mm-hmm. right? Like, what is it? And that's kind of the feeling that I'd had for years. And then within the last couple of years, I've really started to figure things out and be like, oh, like we've just been lied to about so many different things, like our history, you know, food nutrition but un- science un- right but unlearning something requires engagement it does, it, it does conversation like you have a bunch of ideas but you, at the same time if i'm a betting man you're not married to them you have a conversation with someone that makes you see something slightly a different way and that's a oh, good thing cool that's yeah, awesome sorry so my all i have to say is just you know if it resonates with anyone i just encourage you to do your own research like it's changed my life and i know that it's changed the lives of a lot of people mm-hmm. and that you know you, we do have the capabilities as people to heal ourselves it makes us less stupid too yeah we got to a point where society has put us in this position where they they highlight the dumbest americans right and decide that because of those guys we can't don't have the mental capacity to decide for ourselves 
of free will of, of what we want to believe or not based on whatever. God, and I'm with you on that. I, it, it creates less dumb. Look, I know being dumb is your constitutional right. I get that, guys. Where's my camera? I know. I know. All right. Ignorance is not only bliss, it's constitutional. I get that. <laughs> but let's let's surround ourselves with some people with some kind of not high IQ, ridiculous, above everybody else. Just start engage. Engage, don't cancel. And that's yeah, that's, that's it. You're I'm just at. a humble messenger. Yeah, you are. Yes, you are. And you know what? That's exactly how I'd like to describe you. Are, you are the humble messenger. You and Kristen Nuss ought to get together and go <laughs> bowling or something. Um, um, <laughs> hey, not Torrance spoken for. And my God, she's a smoke show. Oh, my God, his woman's a smoke show. Oof. Right, we're gonna go insane. We might as well go hot, right? Yeah. <laughs> she's not insane. Been and she's not, <laughs> as, as fate would have it, right? Yeah, she Dude, is as even keeled. I'm the guy with the Harvard girl who's who's more cuckoo than she is. You know, Kelly, love you. No, if you're listening, but <laughs> just kidding. Um, all right, so let's do this. Let's get our 60 second clock. Let's, let's scroll that so you could see it. And boom, we're off. Favorite comedian. Ooh, Bill Burr. Bill Burr. Wow. Last good book you read. There's many, but go ahead. Ooh, uh, I'm currently reading The Law of One, The Raw Material. It's like five of them. It's a whole series. Just check it out. Cool. Marvel or DC? Marvel. Pool or beach? Beach. That was easy. Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter? Lord of the Rings. Bourbon, tequila, or vodka? Bourbon. Favorite sport outside of volleyball? Basketball. Favorite action film star growing up? Ooh, Wesley Snipes. Yes! Oh, my God. Favorite morning sports show talk show host, if you have one. Is, uh, is that a pass? Pass. All right, cool. We banged him out. Cool. That was the, with 15 seconds left. I'll go favorite comedian, Chappelle. Last good book I read was Behind You, Scars and Stripes, Tim Kennedy, Marvel, uh, Pool, Unless I Live in Hermosa Beach, Lord, Lord of the Rings, Vodka, uh, Mixed Martial Arts, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Stephen A. Smith. And there's the horn, guys. Torin, someone want to get to know a little bit more about your journey because you do so many things. Like the levels of open the volleyball, but the levels to open in life. And some of the things you've done to help, you know, teach, being a teacher for special needs kids, um, all the way to just bartending and, and bartending at these, 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 these chic elite hotspots. Yeah, you get tips because of your personality, dude. That's that's your life. But you know, yoga instruction and stuff like that. Someone want to get to know a little bit more about you? Is that Insta or whatever? Look a little, look a little handle. Can uh, do that yeah, before we leave. Was up there earlier. It's right behind me. All right, cool. It's uh, Beachy Double Underscore T. There it is. Double underscore. Nice. I think it's double underscore. It is. All right. So that's my man. All right, guys. Torin might love you, but me, I don't love, no, no, you know what, I love you guys too, I usually say I don't, I can't stand them, but to know, I love all of y'all, as we say in New York, I love all of you, man, I love all of you because this man, my man Torin Jeffries on episode 179 of the Option Podcast has made his presence known, thank you so much for joining me, for all of you at home, for all of you on your desktop, for all of you on your iPhones, for my man TJ Torin Jeffries, I'm Jason DeBellis, stay with me, we're going to hit my music, we, we're out of here. Come check out the Option Podcast on OptionDB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.